0: Yo, we've had some technical uh, issues with episode 15, uh, a shit sandwich. Uh, If you're hearing my voice, it means you've got the uh, non-technically glitchy episode. Um, So, this one's a okay, it's all been checked, and we apologise for any difficulties you may have had with the previous upload of this podcast. Uh, We hope you enjoy episode 15, uh, and... Our next episode will probably follow this in a few days um, due to the lateness of this episode, which Ian did apologise for on his previous intro to the Broken podcast. So enjoy. Thank you very much.
1: afternoon, all, or morning or evening, whenever you're watching it, it's uh, listening even. Two minutes past four on Sunday, the 24th of March, and it's episode 15 of Dude and a Monkey. I am steering the ship this week, and my name is Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by...
0: Mark Foster.
1: Hello, Mark. Hello. Uh, s- hello. So, um, this week's review is going to be a surprise review and uh, we'll get into it in just a second. But uh, we're also going to have some one old, one new. Uh, we're also going to, oh, yes, uh, get into the latest Sleazy Stone marathon, taking a look at what is probably his most infamous film, uh, Natural Born Killers. Um, how you can contact us at a Dude and a Monkey, at DudeFoz, at Ian Loring on Twitter. You can also email us at, uh, not at, Email us dudeandamonkey at gmail dot com. Um, after the slightly sporadic uh, postings of the last few weeks, which is entirely down to me and stuff I've been having to do. Oh, actually, also Mike Stag, so there, there was that there was as that well. Overall, yeah, um, yeah. It, it looks like we're going to be on a more regular front for the foreseeable. I don't. Have you got anything? coming up
0: uh, no all we have is we have i have my mum's wedding one weekend but i'll be we'll be recording on the sunday and then we have mike's wedding as well don't we
1: ah now mike's wedding yes yeah. so that week which is probably about what six weeks away yeah just five five weeks
0: five six weeks yeah
1: okay cool so we should have a fair few episodes uh one a week up until then anyway yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, right. The feature that we started last time, that I nearly forgot about. Uh, let's. Uh, unless you've got anything else, Mark. Uh,
0: no. I think I think we've got everything pretty covered there.
1: Okay. Cool. So, uh, what trailers have you been watching this week,
0: Mark? I I've not caught a lot on trailers. Um, this week I'm just going to have a quick check to see what I did catch over exactly
1: the past what I'm doing as couple well, of actually.
0: weeks. Um, just simply for the fact that. I've not really had time. I watched the uh, trailer for um, Kiss of the Damned, uh, the Zan Tassettis, um film, with um, Milo in it, um, him from Heroes. Um, it looks, it's, it, it's a vampire story, um, it looks like it's a generic vampire story, but it's kind of, they've built... Um, a kind of erotic thriller around it um, it looks like it could have more interesting imagery than anything else um, within it rather than that um, I watched the Despicable Me um, 2 trailer Um uh, I'm still very much of the opinion that instead of making a Despicable Me 2 film, they should have just made a Minions film. because
1: They are making a I Minions film. I
0: did see film. they are making a Minions film now. Uh, I'm a lot more pumped for the Minions film than I am for Despicable Me 2 because Despicable Me was terribly boring whenever the Minions weren't there. Um, still looks really boring. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the Alan Partridge trailer yet. Um, and I don't know why. Um I've just got, it's fun just start you know, I think very, very I, nice I, I, because there's the there's new youtube um uh, app for the p s three it's brilliant for watching trailers on um so I just haven 't got round to it because of, because of that um watch the scary movie um five trailer um i, I have no idea how these films keep getting made uh, they simply look ridiculous um saw so the new trailer for the lone ranger gonna be honest absolutely super pumped for it i think it looks like it could be a hell of a lot of fun um and i think that it will just get ragged on to heavens. it will people will hate this film for the sake of hating it uh and i think it actually looks quite entertaining
1: i think this summer is actually shaping up to be quite fun um i mean <laughs> Iron Man 3, Pacific Rim, The Lone Ranger, Star Trek Into Darkness, um, Oblivion could be okay, maybe uh, After Earth, you never know, um, Kick-Ass 2, um, The World's End, Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge film. I mean, that, 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 like over like the four or five months that's, that summer cinema now seems to be, I think there's quite a bit coming out which has the potential to be good. Mm. I don't think there's there's that much which is just going to be like that's going to be shit right out of the gate.
0: No, I don't. I, there's, I mean, obviously there's going to be a few sort of stinkers sort of lingering around, but I don't think there's anything in particular that that strikes as being that looks fucking awful. Um, mm. I watched the uh, Generation Um uh, trailer, the new Keanu Reeves film. Um, I, I I'm still a completely unabashed fan of Keanu Reeves. Uh, I think. Keanu Reeves was hindered by the fact that he, uh, in his early years, had a very boring voice, so it made people think that he was a bad actor, and he wasn't. He was actually a very good actor who just happened to have a really boring voice. Um, story of Luke, uh, trailer about a kid with severe autism who grows up, goes out to get a job, uh, and uh, get a girlfriend because he doesn't want to. Be, he wants to be treated like everybody else. Um, looked very much like your typical American kind of indie sort of feel good film, but I like the look of it, uh, looks like it ticks all the boxes for me um, The Bling Ring um, the new uh, and what's the film, which just looks fucking awful uh, and in-appropriate comedy uh, oh, yes. Have you seen the trailer yeah. for that?
1: I have seen. I, I actually no, I haven't seen the trailer. Uh,
0: don't. Yeah. Okay. Don't. Um, That's fair. It. it this looks. I, I have no. I have no idea why Adrian Brody is making this movie. I can see why Lindsay Lohan's making it. I can see why Rob Schneider's making it. I can even, to an extent, see why Michelle Rodriguez is making it. But why is. Oscar-winning actor Adrian Brody, uh doing this. If he wants to go out and do a comedy film, I'm sure there are a plethora of other avenues he could go down than this. What I'm guessing will be straight to um, on-demand crap.
1: He's going a little bit Cuba Gooding in terms of Oscar winner who seems to set fire to himself. I mean, between this and Wrecked and Giallo, it's... It, 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 it's it's kind of mental.
0: I, I mean, this. I, I'm just looking now. I mean, you, you can always take um, IMDb ratings with a pinch of salt. In fact, them they're, they're pathetic IMDb ratings. Um, but its IMDb rating uh, is
1: 2.8. Yay!
0: I mean, fucking hell, that that's low even for a shit film. Um, and what else have i seen trailer wise i think that's that's about it i'm a little bit i'm a few days behind on trailers so i've still gotta watch the um the asia eve in her underwear um star trek trailer uh
1: which is uh and and that's one of the ones that i have seen um which uh it, it looks pretty good i mean it I, everyone everyone says it really but it does look more like star wars than star trek there's a particularly millennium falcon looking ship at one point kind of going through a small space that kind of feels like the asteroid field in empire strikes back um but i don't know i'm, I'm looking forward to uh to Winter darkness i think benedict cumberbatch could be a really good villain and i'm you know, the fact that they actually seem to have taken their time with this one, it wasn't just churned out two years after, um, that's got me relatively excited. I, 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 I must say I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of star Trek as a universe. I'm fine with it. Um, but this, this trailer looks good. I like the first film. I, I, I do. Um, and I also saw the pointless, like 20 second long teaser for Riddick. Um,
0: yeah, I've not, I've not seen that yet.
1: Like, I thought it was a scene from Pitch Black, and it, then it was going to be like new footage. But I, apparently, that was actually it. And like, because he says, "Oh, you aren't afraid of the dark, are you?" And I swear that was a line from Pitch Black. I don't know. It, it, it could be all right. I, I, it, I just, it, it's such a like, who the fuck asked for this? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's 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 like it's mental. I mean, I know like they they had massive trouble getting the financing, and in a way, good on them, I suppose. And you know, if if Vin Diesel's going to make Universal just like the easiest money in the world this year, uh, this summer with Fast Six, then you know, throw him a bone, I suppose. But it's it, it's an odd one. Well,
0: apparently, the the reason why the, the way they managed to finance it and the way they managed to argue with it is they basically said, look. Yeah, the the film didn't make a mass amounts of money. the the sequel, but it didn't it broke even, and the game made shitloads. And so that was the argument: was look, the game made fuckloads of money for you, and I'm making the fast movies, I could quite easily not. And so they were like, all right, well, okay, you drop your fee a little bit for fast, and we'll we'll like you say we'll throw you a bone and we'll give you that. I I have a I, I really like Pitch Black, but um, and I freely admit to anybody that uh, Chronicles is a terrible film, but that doesn't stop me from really enjoying it.
1: I need to I need to rewatch Chronicles of Riddick. Um, I, I I to be honest, I'll probably do Pitch Black and that before Riddick. Um, I I just don't really remember anything about it. Um, even though um, talking about um, the fast films, I was reading Total Film yesterday, and it appears that a cameo that had been rumoured for the end of fast six which is going to directly lead into fast seven, seven has been confirmed oh,
0: the, uh, Statham one.
1: oh yeah there you go yeah okay After,
0: I, I i thought that was a general knowledge thing
1: oh okay fair enough but like but yeah i mean it, it, that like if that fucking happens my oh, right I, i'm actually going to rewatch fast five this evening mm. um and um because uh, Brad, uh, 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 Mr. Bond code on Twitter, I'm sure many of you have spoken to him on Twitter, um, It insists that Fast Five is a brilliant film and he is 100% genuine in it. And I gave it a 7 out of 7 when I did my Eat, Sleep, Live film review of it. Uh, so I'm I'm ready to have a couple of drinks and think better of it. And if I do, I can see myself starting to get more excited for Fast Six and if the stafe is in Fast 7,
0: two years' time can't come quickly enough. What I'll say, my thing about uh, the Fast movies is I I don't mind that they're perfectly enjoyable, throwaway fun. Um, fast 5, I think I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, it's too long. Um, but when it's good, it's really enjoyable. But when it's not, it's super dull. Um, but I wasn't as impressed by some people as by the trailer for um, fast 6 um, people seem to be saying how amazing it is and how it's one of the best blockbusters of the year and I, all I saw was another Fast and Furious film and there's nothing wrong with that but I did feel that the, the kind of excitement building for it was a little bit like whoa it, it
1: where the fuck I, did this I, come I, from I... Yeah, I got very weirded out by that, how, like, suddenly on Twitter, everybody appeared to be massive fans of the franchise. And Fast Five is no doubt a step up. But, I mean, like, you watch Fast and... Like, I I don't know how anyone enjoys Fast and Furious. I I, I, don't. The fourth one. The fourth fourth one, yeah. Yeah. The thought of that one is terrible. Like, the end, the climax, where they're, like, driving through that cave. Oh, good, yeah. And it, it, it's ba- it is CG the entire way through. It's brutal. It's it's absolutely brutal. But then Fast Five, I remember it being quite fun, and I I am actually kind of pumped for a rewatch. It's just because of The Rock, basically, as much as anything else. I want to see that Rock Vin Diesel fight again. Yes,
0: very much so.
1: But um right, okay. So uh that was it for uh for what we've been watching in terms of trailers. Um let's get into our surprise review. And are we gonna have a clip or
0: I I I I would say what w yeah, i I'd say we'll we'll drop the trailer in, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, you probably guessed what this is then Um, it was a film that Mark and I have both been looking forward to kind of Um, and it it was a film that both of us hoped to see at Fright Fest last Mm -hmm. year Um, its director was getting a kind of like a guest of honour thing at Fright Fest and, and the film had played Cannes last year, indeed the film actually starts with can official selection 2012 it does, yeah. um uh which is uh quite something um so it it was around you know it, it was ready for viewing and yet it didn't show up but now it has appeared and um dracula by dario argento as the title actually has it yeah uh now we didn't see this in 3d we saw this in 2d um in like the 3d moments i suppose are fairly obvious yeah. um uh mark what 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 did you think of Dracula by Dario argento uh
0: well first of all I, I i am a huge Dario argento fan as i know you are um the man made quite simply some of the greatest um thriller horror films um and jello films of all time um you know, this is a guy who made Deep Red, Suspiria, Inferno, Tenebrae, and he made them in a row in seven years. You know, not to mention uh, Bear with Crystal Plumage, Cat of Ninetales, Four Flies and Grey Velvet. Even when you go to his, his 90s, his late 70s stuff, so phenomenal Opera, uh, and then you go into his, his mid-90s stuff, Stendhal Syndrome is still decent. Uh, Sleepless was all right. Um, and then you get to, to you know, Jallo was, was Jallo. Um... And it was terrible, um, but it 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 has a watchable quality to it. Does Um There are it is it's it, it is a so bad it's good film to an extent. Um, Dracula 3D is like um it it's like CBC CBC um, or. ITV Kids or whatever, or Nickelodeon or whatever, have made a Dracula film and been allowed to put tits and blood in it. It is that bad and that obvious and that just so ham-fisted with its sound design. It is astonishing that a man who made Suspiria and Deep Red and made such powerful and tension filled films can make something so fucking terrible i mean this is it's it it is badly directed the sound design's terrible the acting is terrible um there's a point where you get to see um Asia Argento or um, getting um, bathed, which normally I'll be watching, going, this is one of the greatest moments of my life, and all I was thinking of is this is unnecessary, and that's his mid thirties daughter. All this you
1: think of is, is this is
0: gross. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. There's there is also a sex scene in the at the beginning within the first five minutes where I'm watching it. And there's a very attractive woman laid there naked because Dario likes his attractive, busty women. Um, and the guy is powerfully thrusting. And all I could think of was his junk is nowhere near. Right now, he is thrusting his wang into the back of her knee. Mm. Um, if you're going to have a sex scene, at least at least be bothered to direct it to make it look like they could actually be having sex. Um The CG's terrible on it. The 3D looks like it would be fucking brutal. Um I'm gonna stop talking for a while and let and see what what, what do you think? The, the
1: thing is the thing is with Dracula by Dario Argento and I'm gonna call it his full title just to just to show like Argento obviously still thinks he has some sort of, of point. He, he has something to say. The fact that he's, he's actually calling it Dracula by Dario Argento uh, like would, would suggest this. And, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Giallo, Giallo is entertaining for, like, wrong reasons. It's entertaining, but it is entertaining. And, I mean, Mother of Tears is a slap in the face to fans who had been waiting for the conclusion of the free mothers trilogy for 25 years, but it, it does have an evil monkey. So I'll give it points for yes. that. Um, the, the, the problem with Dracula by Dario Argento is the fact that it, it, it's obviously terrible and it's obviously the worst film I've seen so far this year by, by some chalk, frankly. Um, and, I mean, I, to be, and in a way, I was expecting it to be... I, I, I was expecting it to be bad. I just was. We, that trailer that leaked out uh, a while back that just was embarrassing, uh, it, it had already set the alarm bells going. The, the thing with Dracula by Dario Argento is the fact that it, it's... I, th- I think a first for me, and that's a Dario Argento film, which is boring for 99% of the runtime. There are maybe two moments that have some batshitness to them, and they're both animal transformations. Which,
0: um, which, one, which ones are they? Let's see if, it, if it's the same ones that I... Uh, well, the, 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 the,
1: the praying mantis, obviously. Yeah,
0: the praying mantis is, is, is fun. Uh,
1: but also the wolf transformation, just because it had the... That and the piles of ash disintegrating were the two shonkiest examples of CG. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've seen since easily since like the end of the Mummy Returns with uh, the Rock. Yeah, um, oh yeah. You know, um, I'd,
0: I'd also put the the flies into that.
1: Oh, in this, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, like, aside from that, it it just it it's it's really, really, really boring. I would love to say watch this in a so-bad-it's-good way, like Giallo is. Mm. Giallo, I mean, Giallo is, is an entertaining watch. This has nothing of worth, apart from Luciano Tavoli's lighting was all right occasionally. Yeah. Like, it, it, it was lit quite well. Ruka That's Hoya's what I gave
0: it a half-star for. is not as bad as everybody else.
1: No, but he's also only in it for the last 25
0: minutes. The yeah. way I approached um, Dario Argento's um, Dracula was very much sort of the same way as I approached his um, The Phantom of the Opera, um, where it, I, I expected that kind of level. And his The Phantom of the Opera is is again, terrible, not very good, but it's very enjoyable. You know, I, I've watched it a couple of times, and his Phantom of the Opera is, is a lot of fun. Um, because with that you've got um, Julian Sands playing um, the Phantom, and again you've got um, Asia, Asia Argento um, in it as well. And you know it's it, it looks shoddy, it looks shonky, but it's it's still fun. Um, and I that's what I went into Dracula hoping for, really hoping that yeah it was going to be not very good, it wasn't going to look great, and it was it was going to be sort of depressing of how far, how far this guy's fallen. But at least it'll be, it'll be fun and it'll be a little bit batshit. And it's just not. It's just terribly boring. And anybody who ever sort of mentions to me and says about Keanu Reeves and how bad he is in um, Coppola's um, Dracula, I'm, I'm going to say, no, I'm sorry, no, you are wrong. You are wrong. He's not great in that. But if you want to see somebody playing Jonathan Harker truly bad, you need to watch Dario Argento's Dracula and see Unax Ugaldi, um as Jonathan Harker because it, it looks like he's just turned up on the day and they've gone, put this on, um, read these, and they've stood with cue cards just out of shot and he's looked at them and gone, ah, Count Dracula... I've been waiting to meet you.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, you're, like you've got him playing his scenes against Thomas Kretschmann, who, bless him, tries. Like Kretschmann, I don't think embarrasses himself.
0: Um, no, the, the, but, the direction of Kretschmann embarrasses him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like the, the I mean, the, the fact that he has to do. The Children of the Night. What sweet music they make! Oh yeah. The, the fact that Argento actually makes him do that—it's—it it, it, it is like Argento thinks he's making this like compelling new vision of Dracula, and that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's the thing that gets me. Like, I'm—I'm I'm sure, like I'm sure many directors believe their own legends, you know. I. It, it, but the, the thing is, it sounds like nobody tells Argento no you you can't do that once he's on set he won't take no for an answer he'll do whatever he wants to do and he'll also sign off on the worst post-production stuff mm. like the, the cg the cg ash in this film like people falling into ash looks worse than buffy season one.
0: Oh yeah
1: a lot worse yeah and it's that's like what 15 years ago at
0: least yeah. it, it's honestly honestly I, I i genuinely think that you that that any kind of entry level um computer you know cg technician um could do a better job in an afternoon it wouldn't surprise me if if this was if if they didn't actually do this for this film, if it was like pre-existing fucking shots from test shots for something that was made twenty years ago, it is that bad. It is just. It, it might be because that's supposed to be in three D, and you know that it 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 could be something to do with that, but it just looks it just looks so bad.
1: It's I yeah I, I it's I mean I think it's the budget I mean like we we've got the praying mantis scene as well which is um it, it, I the thing is I'm sure he's not because he just it doesn't seem like uh, he's the kind of guy who would but it feels like if it was any other director I'd swear they were taking the piss mm. like they, they just wanted to see how far they could get away with or something but argento he just appears to be so out of it and like living off the fumes of his legend or or I, 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 and just his name that it, it's i don't and like the thing is like it, this not playing fright fest i wouldn't be surprised it like to be honest the fright fest guys play a lot of shit, mm. and it's it, to be honest, it, it's because they basically have to, because there's only, a, like, a limited amount of stuff out there that they could really show. I, I've come to terms with that, like, more, that, you know, Frightfest, they are kind of hoisted by their own petard. The, the thing, I would not be surprised if they were shown this. I wouldn't be surprised if they said no. Like, it, especially in conjunction with that Tar- Dario Argento interview, because... Yeah. It just makes him look in such a bad light. Mm. Could you imagine if they did that interview and then screened Dracula 3D at fright fest? The chairs would have been ripped out of their fuck. Th- like it, the place would have been set on fire. Oh
0: yeah, because it, let, let's be honest, the we were all we were all very pumped about the Argento thing, and we all went at the Argento thing going, "This is fucking amazing." And he really did act like he really just didn't care. Yeah. You know, he was very. You know, he, he could barely be asked to answer any questions. Uh, he did tell a funny Rugga story, story um, relating to this movie. Um, where well, he basically said that Rugga Hoya disappeared for a couple of days and he was found in a bush with a Russian model, um, which was a, a funny story. But then he was very kind of dismissive, the fact that he wouldn't, you know, whether or not this was Brightface and Alan Jones or whether or not it was Gary Argento, the fact that he wouldn't sign anything other than the new book, Um, was a little bit...
1: Which cost 30 quid. Yeah, it was a little
0: bit shitty. Um, But he just... If you had done that, and like you say, and then shown this movie, um, then it would have been... I would have been seriously fucking pissed off. And then after that, shown as Tulpa, you know, there would have been fucking... That... This isn't the sort of movie where even with a crowd, it would be enjoyable. It, it would have been... I'd have probably got up and gone, Do you know what, I'm fucking done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, exactly. There's, it,
0: there's a bar round the corner that I can drink and talk to everybody about why I'm not watching the rest of that movie.
1: Yeah, I, it, it, it just... I, the, the thing is, there's, there is, there is no inspiration. There, there is no flash... Of there being any point to the to the endeavour at all. I mean, and it's also it's an hour and forty five minutes long. So I mean, as as well as being shit, it also is languid in in its in its runtime, at least fairly so. I it just like, I mean, the the story itself is is a very it is basically a retelling of Dracula. That I mean, but it, it, it's but with a praying mantis, um, and pointless soapy tits. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, there, there's 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 nothing new. I mean, like Jonathan Harker looks like he's been styled, like from like someone who just watched uh, Keanu Reeves.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it's that's a. Let's say that his performance is 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 so so bad. Um, and let's say I I usually adore um, Angela Gento in anything, um, just because she's usually wonderful in most things, uh, and she's usually naked in most things. And she was sure. naked in this, uh, and she was terrible. Uh, and the the CG fire on her death.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Was, you
0: know, and that the fact that, that there was so... That was such a long death. And the fact that it kept cutting back to... Cutting back to her screaming. Uh, her screaming, and then Rugga um and Mina, and them just kind of going... Practically stood there going... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of looking around, and it, you could almost have seen Ragetti and going, um, we fancy do <laughs> fancy lunch after this because quite peckish actually. That that was just it was really really bad, and even the end, it it didn't seem that difficult to kill Dracula. It, uh, no, no,
1: that would that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. It, it literally it's there's a confrontation, and she shoots
0: yeah, it, it, they, they They go into the castle, they kill everybody in the castle without any fuss at all. They literally walk yeah. into a room, and a vampire goes, Hair! and they go, stake it, watch it die, and then move on to the next room, and it's just rinse, repeat, with every yeah. single one of them. And then they get Dracula, who, instead of doing anything to Van Helsing, is just punching him. <laughs> Can, yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute! You can control his mind. You can slice him. Um, you can bite him. No, you're just gonna bitch slap him in the face repeatedly while he shouts. Shoot him.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's. I, I mean, and I, I mean, as as well as all this, I mean, that, I mean, there there was some hope for me beforehand because he was he was like bringing in past collaborators as well, so. Like, Luciano Tavoli, who, like, his only, like, the only presence he's made to me of the last few years is, uh, like, uh, uh messing with the aspect ratio on the bird with the Crystal Plumage Blu-ray, so it looks weird for the whole thing, mm. thanks to his Univision, but that's another conversation. And Claudio Simonetti, who does the score, but does the score, it, it's like he wasn't shown the film, and he did the score for a sci-fi film, but like a 50s sci-fi there's there's a pheromone that's used every now and then. Yeah,
0: there. that was it, fucking it, weird.
1: It, it looks like it's about to cut to a shot of a, a UFO with a piece of string ho- uh, hanging above <laughs> it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's bizarre. It, I mean, it, it the thing. It, not only is Argento kind of bringing himself down, he's br- he's kind of bringing others down with him as well. I mean, like Azure Argento, it is the worst I've ever seen her do. Oh yeah, that question. Yeah, yeah. like see... Yeah, she is. She is terrible. I mean, I mean, Thomas Kretschmann, He's to be fair, he doesn't get that much to do. He's Dracula, but it, it, he's not in it that and much. And he's quite
0: a sedate Dracula. He basically has to stand and say things. Hmm. Um, there's, yeah, there's there, there, there's no. I mean, the last thing I saw uh, Lucci uh, Tavoli do was uh, I recently watched it actually was Murdered by Numbers. He did. He was the uh, DP on that. Sandra Bullock. I yeah, so, yeah so the, uh, the yeah, he was a cinematographer on that, um, yeah. and you know that's that that's quite a um, you know an interesting film, um, not for the Sandra Bullock aspect, but for the fact that you've got uh, Michael Pitt and Ryan Gosling in it, and it's early performances from those two. It's very interesting seeing, quite simply, how good they were um, in this film, and how if you are watching this film, you could you can very much see uh, from Murder by Numbers that both of those actors are going to go on to bigger and better things. Um, and the, But the direction, you you can see the other work that he's doing it. Whereas this is just stand and shoot, stand and shoot, stand and shoot. And it's so, so lazy. I, I don't see how when they were, you know, when they were editing this together, how at uh, no point did nobody go? Oh, this is shit. I mean, this is really shit.
1: The thing is, I think loads of people say that, and Argento just ignores mm, them. He, he but, I mean, that, um, I mean, the, the, the question is, why is he doing it? Does he just need the money that badly, or does he actually think oh, he's, it, he's still got
0: something? Yeah, I mean, there is. Um, somebody mentioned to me that that, that uh, I think it was a fright fest. It might have been Dave. Uh, oh, Dave Hall Yeah, uh, okay. he mentioned that he'd read an interview with Argento, um, and somebody had asked him about a mayor. Um, and Argento had said, "I, oh, it's wonderful. It, it, it's, it's the movies that I wish I could still make." And I don't know whether or not he's aware he seems like he's aware that he's not as good as he used to be but he's not aware of how bad he's become yeah um
1: but well, well, I mean like well, with giallo like he retroactively tried to claim that he did make it intentionally as a comedy despite like in the making of it saying that it was deadly serious like it it does that that's the thing it it, it it's it seems contradictory hmm like the but the thing is, I mean, like, there's no way he'd be able to claim that Dracula's intended as a comedy. No, like, because it, it's not funny and it's not entertaining. That's that's the thing. And it's like you go to it with a morbid sense of, oh fuck, well I've got to sit through this then, am I? And and that, that's it. I mean, like, I was 45 minutes in and Donna came walking into the room and she looked at me and she was just like, you look tired. <laughs> I, I I I and that was it. I was I it it it, it just. It made me tired, and it made me... It made me really, really depressed.
0: The alarm bells really started to ring with me on this with those opening credits.
1: Oh, where they swoosh towards the screen? Yeah, right they're you? brutal. Yeah, yeah, and with the, the terrible CG flying through the town or whatever yeah. it is, it just... It's
0: shit. It, it is.
1: It is. It, it is total, total shit. shit. There's... There's no point in watching it, and the the, the thing no. is, I like it, it, like many people will watch it because it's an Argento film, and there's like a sense of obligation to it. The thing is, aside from Argento completists, I don't know who watches this.
0: I I I genuinely hope nobody. Yeah, uh, I, it, it pains it, me to say that because because of the, the the genuine affection I have for um Dario Argento's work um from. You know, late sixties through really to the early nineties, where I like Sleepless. Um, The Card Player is is not a great film, but it has its moments. Um, So for you, you know, for almost you know thirty years, this guy was making very good and at points magnificent movies, and I really, really hope that now he he doesn't make anything else because yeah. i can only he's he's just getting worse and i don't want to see what is worse than this
1: it, it, yeah absolutely i mean i i haven't seen all of argentos films but this is by far the worst for me um it's i mean mother of tears come uh, it it does come second um but that film didn't depress me There's this, this like it it doesn't really make me that angry. It is like I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. But it, it, it's it, I it's just I I don't know what he does now and if he doesn't make another film again, that will probably be the smartest creative decision he's taken in the last 10 years. I mean,
0: he's in his early 70s now. Um and you know, the the, the real the kind of uh, the release this has got, where it's just kind of appeared more than anything else, suggests to me like he's he, he's given up already on it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I I I, I mean, I love his older work. I mean, like I did uh, on Cinerama back in the day. I did an Argento marathon. I, I curated uh an Argento retrospective uh, series of features for each live film before um, uh, before Fright Fest last year. You know, it, it's I, I have a very, very deep love of um, at, at the very least three of his films. I mean, um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Suspiria, and Tenebrae for me are m- masterworks. I, I like. I, I mean, like, to be honest, my favourite film is is probably Tenebrae. I adore Tenebrae. Um, I, 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 oh, actually, fucking Deep Red as well. Jesus, I mean, deep,
0: deep Red for me. Um is probably in my, is is skirting around the edges of my top 10 films of all time. And Suspiria is in, would definitely be in my top 20 films of all time. Um, just simply because of, of how beautiful it is. Um, it's just, you could watch that film without sound. It is that beautiful. Um, and Inferno and Tenebrae are both magnificent films. Um, and then the same, it just it. I I can't compute how the same guy who made those movies made Dracula 3D. Yeah, that,
1: that, that that's exactly it. That is exactly it. It, it. it it's it's a monumentally depressing experience, and it's also the first time on Dude and a Monkey that I think we're both gonna say that it's definitely shit.
0: Yeah, definitely shit.
1: So uh, that that's Dracula by Dario Argento. It's a waste of time, and if you do watch it, uh, we warned you. Yeah. Good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah. It really, honestly, I, I don't watch it. See, I, I, unless you are an Argento completist, which I can... an a- absolute completist. Yeah. If you've seen all of his, if if you've not, if you've got a few emissions from his his work, watch them first then if you absolutely need to watch this but watch it with something else lined up to watch afterwards because if you watch this as the only thing you watch on a night you will have wasted your evening
1: yeah and uh moving on to uh hopefully uh well let's let's play a couple of promos from podcasts we like first and we'll then get into uh one old one new
0: It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. to the miniature, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such an easy prey. Noel Meller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS podcast.
1: Thank you. Have a nice day.
0: Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. just really
1: it's isn't. not visually striking no i'm no, just just getting confirmation it's
0: just eating, that's the third time though i mean I this is on you can find us at chinstroker versus punter dot so come and share the victory. if you could fuck any man in film who
1: would it be and why
0: My answer is lance henriksen oh.
1: you, he wouldn't tell he looks like somebody <laughs> he looks like somebody if you can keep a secret Okay, so it's time for One Old, One New and hopefully we'll be on to some uh, brighter pastures now. Uh, Mark, which ones do you want to give us first?
0: Right? Uh, to, to, to go on a Brighter Pastures, I'm going to give you my one old um, first. Um, I watched, um, I started to watch uh, the new uh, Billy Crystal, Bette Midler film um, Parental Guidance. Parent guidance. <laughs> um started to watch that uh, and then I turned it off um, oh. after about 30 minutes. Um, I love Billy Crystal as an actor. I think he's great. Uh, I also like Beth Midler as a comedian. Uh, I think she's very good. Um, but Parental Guidance was just a terrible movie. Um, and I, I will go back to it and I will finish watching it because I don't like not watching films I've started watching. But I just couldn't be bothered watching it. I thought I, I could be spending my time watching something a lot better. And what I chose to spend my time watching something that was a lot better was... Um, Billy Crystal's 1991 film uh, *City Slickers*. Um, The idea of this film is you've got uh, Billy Crystal is is just turned 39. He's about to turn, you know. He's then sort of looking at and saying, "Right, I'm, you know, I'm nearly 40. I'm, you know, I'm middle aged now. You know, this is it. Everything's, you know, downhill Um, from here." uh, He plays a character called Mitch Robbins, um, and he uh, he has two very close friends. a guy called Phil, played by uh, Daniel Stern, and the guy called Ed, played by Bruno Kirby. Um, and what Ed does every so often is he plans these holidays where they go and they do crazy things. And the film opens up where they are running with the bulls in Madrid, and then he comes up with all these crazy holidays um, for Mitch's thirty-ninth um, birthday. Um, Ed gets him a present where what they're going to do is they're going to go cattle rustling. Um, It'll be great, you know, they, they basically they have to transport cattle, you know, be cowboys. Um uh, Mitch originally is very um saying, you know, I, I don't want to go or anything like this. Um at his, his birthday party, uh Phil who is in a very loveless um uh, marriage, um uh he has a thing where um, Lisa Simpson bursts in um and basically That's says good. to the party that you know, that she thinks she's carrying Phil's baby. Uh, So he's about to get divorced. uh, And, you know, he's, he's lived an entire life of, of of nothingness. In fact, there's a great scene in the film where, um, they're riding off on horses and they're saying, you know, what is the best day you ever had? Um, and Mitch's best day, you know, he talks about the first time he went to, um, Yankee stadium, um, and that is actually Billy Crystal. The, the story he's telling is actually what he considers his best day. Billy Crystal's, not Mitch Robbins' life. Yeah. It? It's like him the same um, Ed tells a story about his best day uh, is the day he stood up to his dad, um, who was a, a bit of a player, a bit like him, and sort of a get out of their life. Phil tells his best day uh, where he says the best day of his life was, you know, the day he got married to uh, his wife Arlene, you know, and, Who's a complete bitch? And you know, he goes on. They're all looking and going, "Are you crazy? You know she's she, she's horrible." And he says, "No, it was great. Everyone had fun, and you know she looked great, and it was a great day." And they say, "Right, what was your worst day?" And he says, "Every day since." <laughs> and it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, the film also has um, as a, a wonderful performance uh, from Jack Palance uh, playing Curly, uh, in, who is the uh, the rancher who has to um, transport them uh, across and he kind of heads it. And, you know, um, Billy Crystal, Mitch describes at one point as the toughest man he's ever seen. Um, Jack Palance seems to be having a lot of fun with his, um, you know, with sort of, like, the the image that he's, you know, gathered throughout his life. And, of course, everyone knows Jack Palance when he's alive was insane. Um you know, he's the guy who, when he won the Oscar, um, started doing one handed press ups on the stage. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is, for me, just one of the greatest moments in Oscar history, just because it was him sort of saying, I'm not past it. I'm, you know, look at this. I can fucking do this. And it just, it was a wonderful show of a man who just had such reverence for life, even, you know, in his, you know, late 70s. And it was wonderful to see. Um, but City Slickers is. It's one of those great films where you forget how good it is. It is genuinely funny, but it has genuine great moments of emotion. And I'm a, you know, it is a Western film. It's not billed as a Western, but essentially it's a Western. You know, it's, but it plays with the idea of being a Western. Um, And I'm, I have the thing of, I'm a very big fan of um, films that show what I describe as the fragility of man. Um, And people like um, Sam Peckham best encapsulated this with films like The Wild Bunch. And it shows, you know, man at their absolute, you know, worst, but not at their absolute worst of being misogynistic bastards. You know, it's of the staring at yourself and how much, you know, of a man you are uh, and how, you know these guys are looking at it and they're going around doing all these things that, you know, the cowboys used to do. And they're, they're so inept at it because they live these comfortable city lives. Uh, and then, but then when faced with this, that, that manly instinct and not that gruff ugh ugh man, kind of thing kicks in that, that responsibility, uh, kicks in. And it's, it, it really is a, 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 a brilliantly engaging film. And I, I watch it sort of every sort of four or five years, and it's one of those films that when I'm watching it, I, I it instantly think, you know, this film is so much better than I a, remember it being, and B it has any right to be. And then always after, I always end up going back on a bit of a Billy Crystal kick because he's, I think, for a while, he was a truly brilliant comedic actor. Uh, have you ever seen Six Flickers? I haven't. Oh man, watch it! Y-
1: yeah, wonderful it's, film. It's... Yeah, it's one I do need to catch up on, actually. Yeah, uh,
0: but ignore the sequel, because that's not very really good. Um, okay. But yeah, so it, 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 it's a great film, and also um, a film that I'm hoping we're going to talk about on a future podcast. I want to wait until you've seen it, because if I talk about it, I'll, I I might give away a brilliant cameo, and I don't want anyone to give away the cameo to you. Um, uh, okay. Is moving, uh, which I watched in honour of your moving <laughs> last weekend. Um. And yeah i'm looking forward to talking about that when you get a chance to watch.
1: yeah yeah i know you said yeah i'm i'm very intrigued by that I it's,
0: must, uh... uh i uh i'll i'll go through the story of 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 my relationship with the film um when we talk about it in a future podcast but um okay. go on, Ian, what is your one old or one new
1: okay well I'll, I'll do my one new um now uh to be honest thet- you know, like my one my one new. i don't usually do cinema releases on dude and a monkey unless it's the main review i try and keep them to um 35 millimeter heroes just to kind of mix it up a bit um but uh we're not planning on doing a normal episode of 35 Mm heroes and jord already talked about this so um i'm going to talk about and uh, i mean I, I will say just beforehand i mean like the only other kind of like new to me films that i watched uh jack the giant slayer which i actually quite enjoyed uh it, it's Perfectly fun. It's not a world changer, but yeah, I think it deserves better than the fate it's had. Um, and uh, Celeste and Jesse Forever, which was uh, an hour and a half of Rashida Jones asking us to feel sorry for her, and the film almost work, like almost actually working because she's a good screen presence but it, it, it's uh, it's cloying and repetitive and a bit there uh, but uh so that was slash and jesse forever but um i want to talk about a film that um i think we talked about because you don't like the title
0: yeah i don't like the title
1: um yeah so um iran Crewe's welcome to the punch which comes out in the u.s soon but hasn't come out yet i don't think and um yeah, OK, so, yeah, Welcome to the Punch is a bad title. And, um, I mean, George actually said on 35 Minute Heroes that the title makes sense and that, like, there, there is a point to it. Um, there is, but it's... Like, Aaron Creevy. he was on the Empire podcast last week and he was saying that, like, he came up with the title before the film. And the way that it's fit into the film is a little bit tenuous. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so... Welcome to the Punch. Basically, uh story is, uh, James McAvoy is a cop who um, has had a past run-in with master criminal Jacob Sternwood, played by Mark Strong, and uh, he got shot in the leg for his troubles. Um, uh, Sternwood's kid, who uh, is, is still in the UK, St- Sternwood has basically gone missing. Uh, Sternwood's kid is uh, apprehended at an airport um, uh, after being shot. And uh, uh, James McAvoy's character, Max thinks that they could use uh, the kid being in a hospital as a way of luring um, Sternwood to come out of hiding, which he does. Uh, Sternwood then himself teams up with an old friend played by Peter Mullen, who I didn't know was in the film. Uh, so that was a great I'm surprise. I'm
0: looking. There's actually a... a, it's, actually a pretty, it's a really a, it's good Really cast. strong cast. McAvoy it's strong. Riseborough, Mullen, David Morrissey, um, and Jason Fleming.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, Jason Fleming's in it in one scene, but, um, yeah, it, it is... It's a really, really good cast. Um, and yeah, he seems up like with uh, Peter Mullen to basically find out what exactly happened to his son. Uh, like, this other kid got murdered, and there's this whole um, political thing about a gu- gun crime being a big political hot potato, and that comes into it as well. Um, now, like, this has been oft said about Welcome to the Punch, but it, it does bear saying. It, it like Aaron Creevy, his first film was uh, Shifty, which was uh, uh, developed on this microwave funding project. I think it cost less than ten thousand pounds or something, or maybe it was hundred thousand pounds. I think maybe that's I haven't seen Shifty, but that's probably more like it. Um, and he's now gone to Welcome to the Punch, which I think cost about ten million. Um, and like it, it, Creevy's mission statement with the film was to like do a British cops and robbers film, which feels like it wouldn't have been out of place with hollywood and he, he he cited uh michael mann but also the infernal affairs trilogy which obviously isn't hollywood but um and you do get the idea of both um i was very very impressed with welcome to the punch even though the narrative it does strain a little bit at um How many fingers and how many pies the narrative has? It starts off as a very much cops versus robbers thing. It goes into political conspiracies, and it's. I don't think it. it, 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 As a case of world building and like setting up potential future stories, that there's it, it is interesting, but it it just about works as a standalone. Because the film becomes more and more focused on this and less on Max and Jacob, uh, which, which is a bit of a shame. If it, if it was self-contained, it, it would have been better. But there, there's obviously the film does does work on its own. But they're they're obviously thinking let's see what we could do with this world. And unfortunately, like it, it had a okay but meh UK box office last weekend. I, it, it's going to be difficult to see this actually making its money back in UK cinemas, which is uh, which is a shame. Um, but but in the, saying
0: the... that, What I will say is, McAvoy is a good presence in America, um, as is Mark Strong. You know, they they they're both quite well known in America. Now, I, I I could see with the right kind of marketing, I could see this movie, you know, making you know not not fucking breaking it in. But easily making its money back in the states.
1: I, I I think it needed a different title. Oh yeah, the title's um, fucking awful. It, it, it's 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 a title that basically hem, uh, like pens it in as for director DVD action movie. Yeah, fans. it
0: is, and it's it just seems so misguided to, to make it seem because I, I, I've not seen it, so I can't I can't comment on that. But you know, you've got McAvoy, you've got Mark Strong, you've got Andrew Risborough in it. You know, they're, you know, Mark Strong, look at the list of films the guy's been in the past three yeah, or four yeah. years. It's it's phenomenal. McAvoy's coming in off the back of um, X-Men. Um, you know, his star is very high at the moment and Riseborough, look at what she's got coming out this year. Mm. You know, she's got some big movies, you know, on the horizon with Oblivion and there's another one as well and I can't kind remember of what it is. Um, is she in Olympus Fire? Oh, is she? She's in something. That, she's got two big films coming out this year, um, and you know, y- you could have gone a little bit, a little bit bigger. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. But I mean, the, the the thing is, like, the the jump that Creevy has made from micro budget to this, and and the the ways he's he's stuck the landing is, is remarkable the, the the film is breathtaking looking at times like if london seems to be photographed as either the picture postcard with the matchpoint variety or the social realist mike lee variety and and, and what Aaron Creevy's done here is he's uh he's made this world that just feels cool and almost, kind of almost futuristic, it's like very heavily blues and just glass all over the place and there are an awful lot of shots of like the London City skyline by night and it's like the opening sequence is gorgeous, it's this um, raid, it's basically the raid where Sternwood shoots Max and it's it's incredible looking, I mean it's you know, there are hints of kind of like blade runner kind of future tech to it, 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 it not it, like just in the look and i mean it it keeps that up it 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 it, it just looks like a modern hollywood action film it it does but, it, but a very very cool one um and i mean the, the performances are all solid i mean like McAvoy's playing very nicely against type um he's the dogged cop who like the, i mean like <laughs> screenplay occasionally lets itself down like the first i think pretty much the first line in the film is mcavoy driving and someone on his police radio saying you know you're too caught up with this guy you're going over the edge you're pushing it too far it's just it, it, it's just False. everything you need to know about his character in three lines <laughs> you know it's 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 a little bit brutal um but i mean he, he, McAvoy's really really good and he, like he is determined and i mean you understand why he's so intent on catching this guy and um sternwoods like mark strong he's he's playing this guy like he is a ba- he is a bad guy um but there's certain like areas of um him having passed it down to his son, and like he he's not too happy with that and he he wanted better for his son and like uh, Peter Mullen's character, the, the, the way he kind of feeds into that, it's really, really nicely done. It's these guys who are very, very aware of their own mortality and also the mistakes that they've made and um, through Strong's performance, more than the screenplay you get that sense of um, of sadness to him and uh, kind of melancholy and there's, an, there's actually quite the melancholy about the whole film. Uh, but when it needs to kick some ass, it does and when it needs to be tense, it, it, it is. I mean there's there is a fant- the, the grandma scene, for anyone who's seen it, is is the scene of the film. And it like Creevy escalates the tension with this nervous laughter from from the, the audience like a pro. Um I I, I, I yeah, I mean I, I was rather taken with it. The, the the narrative offers few surprises, to be honest. The people you expect to be bad guys are bad guys, and the the shifts in, 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 in it are the shifts that you expect it to take and when the political conspiracy raises its head it does kind of take, take away from the film somewhat I mean it's a four out of five for me but on ambition and effort alone I almost want to push it up to a 4.5 um it's a film I'm already looking forward to rewatching, and also it's paced really well it's like 97 minutes long but it's about 90 minutes long without the end credits. Uh, So it it tells its story and it gets the fuck out of Dodge, you know, which um, a lot of films could learn from. And uh, yeah, it's defo, defo worth a watch. And I must also say it's worth a watch on the cinema. I watched it on a very, very big cinema screen and a very big screen with a good sound system. It's a very, very, very effective way to enjoy Welcome to the Punch. Uh, I I hope because of the shitty weather, I hope it's hold this weekend is good because it it, it, it deserves it. It's it's a damn fine piece of work. All right.
0: Well, as I mentioned to you earlier, um, I'm going to be a Bioshock Infinity um, Widow from tomorrow. So I might actually go and catch that on Wednesday night, actually. Uh, it's it's it's
1: it's fun man it's as soon
0: as you mentioned um that it manages to land looking at points like a michael mann film i was like oh right well i saw sort of the attempts for that in the trailer and i was already you know intrigued by the trailer and it looked good um and as soon as you mentioned that it kind of it, it works in that way it's like right all right then fuck it yeah i've got to see this at the cinema now
1: the, the, the visual world building in the film is great. Yeah, the,
0: it does look from the trailer. to good, the you know, the, the 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 soft neons, the blues and the greens, and the it, it, it seems to have a very clear color palette, which is very man.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, and actually, I will say, I said that um, I, I saw all the twists coming. There was one twist in the film about halfway through. Well, it, it, it's not a twist as much as it is a development which was unexpected and that's all I'll say cool and what is your one new Mark
0: uh, my one new uh, is a 2011 film that I, I watched the first 20 minutes of uh, in 2011 and then never watched the rest not for any reason of so- not liking it or anything like that just I, I had time to watch it originally uh, and then got disturbed and then kept on meaning to go back to it and never got back to it. And it is uh, the Fright Night remake. Um, I I really like the original Fright Night. I think it's a great, fun film. Um, and unlike many, I'm, I'm not one that bolts straight away at remakes um, because there are, you know, there are as many, if you actually look for it, there are as many watchable remakes out there as there are. Fucking horrible ones, and this wasn't a Platinum Dunes remake. This was a different remake. Plus, let's be honest, it's very rare Colin Farrell isn't good value for money. Um, and Colin Farrell playing a vampire called Jerry was always going to be good. Um, so, I watch again. Story is uh, is you've got Charlie Rooster played by Anton uh is a Sort of teenager who used to be like an uber geek but has you know has become super great like, super cool and has got you know the hot girlfriend doing imaging um and you know, he started riding a motorbike and you know he lives in this sort of suburb of vegas um, and his mum sort of sells the houses for this little sort of gated community that they live in um, and they move in next door um, called jerry who they haven't really seen um and then his friend uh, Ed played by Christopher minkar actor shit class um, decides that you know that he knows that Jerry is a vampire and he's been watching him and uh, the whole kind of story develops from from there um, you've also got um, David Tennant doing his best uh, Russell brand was busy impression um, and I really want to like this film, and for the first, I mean, it's what is it? it it's it's a hundred six minutes, which is about sort of fifteen minutes too long. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you could easily cut fifteen minutes out of this film, and it not make a difference at all. And uh, and for the first sort of forty five minutes, it's really good. You know, it's too dark, um, and the loss of colour from three from D. Really does make a difference. And um, at points, it's really difficult to make out what's going on uh, at, at some points. But for the first 45 minutes, it's, um, it's really entertaining. And then the last sort of 10, 15 minutes are really entertaining. But there's a block of about 25 minutes in the middle where you're going. Right, yeah. kind of seeing this already. Do you want to do something different, or do you want to just finish? Because getting a little bit bored now, and then it gets good again. Um, you could quite literally just cut out a section in the middle, lift it out, uh, and then smush it back together, and you wouldn't notice any difference at all. Um, but you know, you've got uh, Anton Yeltsin is. Perfectly passable, you know. He, he, you know, he's he's quite an enjoyable screen presence to have there. Colin Farrell seems to be having a lot of fun with his um, his Jerry the Vampire. Um, you know, there, but there's there's just points in it where it just gets a little bit silly. There's a, there's a point where I think um, Jerry gets hit by a fucking car and gets straight back up and kind of snaps mm. his arm back into place um, within seconds and then starts attacking again. Yet. He gets a pipe put through him and he's freaking out while they all manage to get away. And then there's a moment where they're in the hospital and Tony Collette, um, Anthony O'Shid's mum, is in the hospital. Um, and, you know, Anthony talking to the police and everything like that. And then he goes back and gets back in the car of a man who's just been killed and the car is wrecked and it's not his car and just drives away. They, hang on a minute. The police were there, but he can get straight back into that car and just drive away. You just... I'm not nitpicking now. That's just fucking retarded. Um, and it just... The film just goes off a cliff um, and then has a little bit of a reprieve for the last bit. But by that point, you, you, you're that fucking bored um, by this really super baggy middle um, that it, it, it doesn't quite manage to bring it back. It's just... The last half is such a letdown from such a strong first half. And I still maintain I cannot understand how Christian Mr. Platt can get film work. The guy can barely even talk, never mind that.
1: I mean, he he he, he kind of makes sense for the Evil Ed role, even though Evil Ed in the, in the first one was far more interesting. Mm. Uh, but like the generic geek is him. It's just like, let's just get mints plastic in, yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: but I mean, even the evil head bits, uh, you know, you could have given that to somebody else who could have done a little bit more with it. It was just, at that point, I'd stop caring. Uh, all I was thinking was, at that point, I was thinking, well, at least Imogen Potts is hot. And that was about... Well,
1: that, yeah, she is pretty fucking smoking in that film, in fairness. Yeah.
0: But she does seem a lot more interested in uh, Jerry than she does Charlie.
1: Yeah. 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 They, they, yeah. The chemistry between her and um, Colin Farrell actually is, is better. Yeah, yes. I, I, But
0: then again, I think anytime you see Colin Farrell, um, you kind of think, you know, that, that he is just an absolutely, he's a, he's a very charismatic guy. And when yeah. he's playing a charismatic vampire, um, then it it, it it you know it's a fucking recipe for wet panties that in you know? a panties shelf it, yeah. it is so good but it, it's it's entertaining, uh it's good, but um you'd be expected to be a little bit let down by the second half and um uh, for this was supposed to be tenants, you know, post who introduction to Hollywood and it it's just it just doesn't work. It just feels very. It feels a little bit too hammy and a little bit too sort of caricature of it. The voice yeah. is too much, and the, you know, the addiction to um, fucking the green drink. I can't even what it is. It's drinking. It's not even absinthe, is it? It's some health like creme de menthe or something like that. Sure. Um, it's just a little bit boring. Uh, so yeah, Fright Night, you know, the 2012 version, if you must watch it, watch it, it's fun for the first 40 odd minutes, but I just recommend the original so much more.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the, the the original is definitely better, I just, like, because it, 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 this one played at Fright Fest in 2011, and it just, um, I, I, I don't know, it, it, it seemed to go down fairly well, but it, it just... I, I don't know. It was a weird, weird choice for Greg Gillespie coming off of fucking Lars and the Real Girl and then doing this. It's um, uh, it, or did he do Mr. Woodcock? I mean, that, actually, yeah, that's a fucking weird, varied career for a director anyway. But it, yeah, I mean, it is too long. That is the key, key, key thing to it. But I know Donna enjoyed it just because of fucking David Tennant. So.
0: I ish just David Tennant, fine, she.
1: Yeah, oh, she fucking loves David Tennant.
0: Uh Anyway, um, right. What is your uh, one old?
1: My one old, my one old. Um, so yeah, I've watched a, a lot of films that I like, kind of rewatched in it, like from the past. But um, one that I want to give a little bit of time to, and um, particularly because its sequel is coming out uh, next week, um, I rewatched GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. Um, steven summers's film from uh, 2009 i believe um which it, before it came out um there, there, there were rumors that steven summers had been fired off of the project because like it, it was testing so badly um and it came out and it did well enough to get a sequel um even though that sequel is a very heavily retooled um version i mean like channing tatum no one really knows how much Channing Tatum is actually in the sequel. Like originally he was supposed to get killed off in the opening, but then there were reshoots and obviously the film was delayed and now it looks like he's in it more. Um, I mean, indeed he's actually first building the poster so he's gone from being killed off in the opening sequence to being first build in the poster. So that's something, uh, but like the rest of the team aren't in there. So it's a completely different beast. It's the Rockets, Bruce Willis. It's an entirely new bunch of people, uh, but it, it's not quite a reboot because there are plot threads that continue from GI Joe, the rise of Cobra. Um, GI Joe, the rise of Cobra. It, I, I watched it uh, yesterday uh, morning. So like uh, Saturday morning, like nine o'clock in the morning. And it is, a big Saturday morning cartoon of a film. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a film which um, has Saturday morning cartoon-level interactions between the characters and backstories, uh, but in this case, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's also a film that has epic, epic destruction, <laughs> and also, which the sequel looks like it does as well, like the sequel, they basically blow up London...
0: Yeah, it does look like that, doesn't Uh, it, yeah.
1: In in that trailer, which is ridiculous. Um, But in this one, they destroy the Eiffel Tower. So, you know, it's epic, epic destruction. And also, I like the fact that it's not afraid to have the bad guys actually win most of the fights.
0: Well, that happened a lot in the um, G.I. Joe and Action Force cartoons. Sure. You know, they didn't. You know they they won out in the end, but they won the the battles, but never really won the war, and they lost some of the battles as well.
1: That's that's the thing. Like, the Joes get their asses handed to them. But like but like the the sequence where uh Cobra storm the pit, the uh like the training yeah. facility, they they just get destroyed basically. Um, and then the, the Paris scene. All right, they stop the complete destruction of Paris, but they don't stop the Eiffel Tower from being destroyed and quite a lot of damage to the area. You know, um, and it's a world where, you know, civilians can just get, like, mowed down and no one really seems to care. (laughs) Like, the collateral damage is insane. But, I mean, it is a cartoon. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt with a mask on doing a silly voice. It's christopher eccleston getting a metal fucking faceplate plate painted like plastered onto his head at the end of the film mm. um it, it's a film where sienna miller is controlled by some sort of chip in her neck you know it, it, it's uh even though to, uh, I mean, to be fair you know scott pilgrim versus the world did that as well but i mean that was a comic book um i i, I like 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 say the transformers films they, they they try so hard to make them feel like they are in the real world. You know, Um, with this, they, they don't. And my worry for G.I. Joe retaliation is that they might actually try and make it more reality based. Mm. And that would, I, I mean, maybe. And that would be an incredibly bad decision. I mean, it, like G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, I don't have too much to say about it, really. But, I mean, like, Channing Tatum's fine. I like Marlon Wayans in it. I'm going to say it. I like him in it. I think he's actually quite funny. Um, Rachel Nichols is fine. Saeed Tagmoy um, from Lahain and turning up here as Breaker, which is awesome, is is fine. I like Christopher Eccleston as the most obvious bad guy in the history of obvious bad guys. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's just, it, it, it's, it's a good time. It's not as it's a good bad time. as
0: people seem to remember it being. It's one of those films, I think, a lot of people will tell you how bad it is, and you'll go, all right, have, have you seen it? And they'll go, oh, no. And you're like, know, how the fuck do you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. It's, um, that, yeah, that's the thing. It, it, it was a film that seemed to get downed by the, the pre-release stuff, frankly, and I, I think that's very, very, very unfair. It's... It's fun. The action scenes are well done. The character interactions are fine. Um, it is too long. In fairness, it is too long. It's about two hours, and it didn't need to be. Um, but saying that, there's not a lot of downtime. It, it, it's basically set up, action scene, little bit of downtime, action scene, little bit of downtime, action scene. That That is kind of how it goes. And, you know, there, there are an awful lot of characters. I mean, maybe, like, the backstory stuff, like did we really need to know the backstory between Storm Shadow and Sake Eyes? Um, it, it did, did we really need to know about the touching relationship between Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Um, it, 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 but it is exactly as you say. It's one of those ones where people who poo-poo it, I wonder if they've seen it.
0: Mm. I mean, the, apparently the, the cause it, it made a decent amount of money. It made just over 300 million on... Um... On release, um, but apparently it did it did ridiculously well on um, DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. It, it made an absolute fucking fortune, apparently, uh, which is why there was not going to be a sequel. And then someone went, but kind of said, you know, did, did you know that it, it it made this much money on DVD and Blu-ray? I'm like, uh, no, fuck it, fuck it. You know, we've got we've got all these. You know, we've got Tatum on. You know, he's signed up to do a sequel, whether he likes it or not. Um, we've got him. Uh, and then the idea was, well, I'll do it, but I want to get, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in it much. And then it was kind of, no, you, you, you're you going to do as much as we will say you can do. You know, ju- yeah, yeah. The, the mistake they made was not getting Joseph Gordon-Levitt to sign the same kind of deal they got Channing Dayton to sign. Because he's just like, no, I'm not coming back for it.
1: Yeah no uh, yeah sorry yeah no sorry I just got distracted by a text message from Donna sorry uh, yeah I mean that, that yeah exactly if it, I, I'm sure if they could have got Joseph Gordon back they they, they would have done because I mean that that is a question of who exactly is the bad guy here because it kind of looks like it is just like Jonathan Price as the evil doppelganger president
0: yeah I mean it will be I mean they've got uh, a guy from a uh, guy who used to be in home and away he's playing Cobra Commander in this one. Um oh he was in uh he was last seen in Monte Carlo. He...
1: Oh so uh, Cobra Commander is actually in yeah. it but they've had to recast. Yeah he will
0: be he will be in it. Oh but he's not voicing it, he's just the, the body.
1: <laughs> so what, Cobra Commander Commander's gonna be in it, but is there somebody doing the voice?
0: Yeah, uh somebody else is doing the voice.
1: Is Destro in it?
0: Don't think Destro's in it, no. No, it's just Cobra Commander.
1: That's interesting because, like, the, the way they set it up, like, 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 it, it is just like Destro is now Cobra Commander's bitch.
0: Oh yeah, like, it is. Well, Cobra Commander. It could, it, 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 will still be the controlling force of the of whatever evil it is that's in it. Because that's the idea: is that Cobra Commander yeah. is always like the the spinning chair behind everything. Um, and you know, I, I'll, I'll admit it. Fuck it, I'm looking forward to um, GIGO, uh retaliation. Um so am I. he's got um Dwayne Johnson it, um uh, who's always fucking good at entertainment, no matter what he's in, he's always good at entertainment for it. it Tatum's, you know, usually great. Um you've got Adrian Palicky uh, in it who's you know she's usually quite fun, the Rizza could be quite amusing, uh blind Master and you've got Walton Goggins. I God, he was in this. Sorry, Walter, what? Walton Goggins is in it. Walton Goggins is yeah. in it. Oh, wicked! Who's he play? Uh, he, plays a he plays the Warden. He plays the Warden in it.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, which you know, and uh, you know, it's he, he, good as well because um, you've got. You know, I was I was a big fan of the original cartoons. Still am. Um, so it's it, it's interesting seeing these you know these toys essentially brought to life and who plays them. It's quite it's quite fun. Uh, Trying to him is Duke. You know he that, he does fit Duke really well. Um. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So am I. I mean, I was talking to um Glenn Chapman yesterday as well, and he's saying apparently at one point there is a completely silent fight. That De- like there's nothing on the soundtrack at all. Yeah,
0: that will be the. I'm gonna guess. Um, uh, that's gonna be the Snake Eyes. Um, uh, fight. The Snake Eyes and uh, Storm Shadow fight. I'm guessing.
1: Storm Shadow. Yeah, it would make sense. That, wouldn't would it? that um, and
0: that could look pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, quite. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. We might well end up talking about G.I. Joe next week uh, anyway. So um, we'll, we'll – but, yeah, let, let's leave it at that. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, it's fun. Yeah. Okay, and um, I'm going to stop and have a pee and get some beer. But then when we come back, uh, we will get into Sleazy Stone. Sure. And this week we are doing Natural Born Killers.
0: Right, you, you're going for a peek. Yes sir. so much yes, sir.
1: Hello. 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 Uh got the theme from Rosemary's Baby in my head and I'm by myself in the house at the moment so it's...
0: <laughs> and it's a new house as well. Yeah, fucking right. I've
1: kind of shit. I, I I tell you what, I'm glad Donna's not pregnant at the moment because that fucking film like really really puts <laughs> the fucking willies up, yeah. Ah, t- oh, the Criterion Blu-ray as well. Oh my god. It's nice. it's, it's like you're watching a print. Oh. It's 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 gorgeous. Like the the grain in it is beautiful, and like the 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 sound as well. It's it's only mono, but when the bass kicks in at points, it's it's incredible.
0: Because uh, I can I, with the Blu-ray player that I've got, uh, I've checked and there is a region hack on it. Is there really? Yeah.
1: Oh, mate, you need to get on that shit. Like, I know Arrow are putting out blowout, but there is no way it will look better than the Criterion. No,
0: mm, oh, yeah. it's Isn't it the same the same transfer as the Criterion?
1: Is it the same transfer? I think
0: so, yeah. Oh, good,
1: well, fair play. I mean, it, it is incredible. But then again, I will <laughs> also say the Criterion artwork is a thing of beauty. Oh,
0: that, that's the thing. The only reason why I want to be what is it, um play US Blu-ray is for Criterion.
1: It's they're the only US Blu-rays I have. That well, I've got Trick and tr- uh, Trick or Treat, but it's uh, region free. But like the only region A Blu-rays I have are Criterion's. Mm. But I mean, like you kind of pay through the nose for them, but they're they they're worth it to be honest.
0: I know I'm, I'm I, I I could go fucking crazy.
1: Like I, I've, I've, yeah, no, so could I, man. Like I've, I've got, I've got quite a few Criterion's I haven't actually watched yet. Like I've seen the films, but just not watched the actual Blu-rays. Like I got M and um, Army of Shadows in Brazil. Uh, like even though the Brazil, there's a documentary on the Brazil Blu-ray which is fantastic about uh, the Battle of Brazil, about like the, the problems Guillermo has, mm. and it's got the Love Conquers All version of it on there as well, Yeah,
0: which is very interesting.
1: Yeah, I've I've never seen that, but I do want to. But um, it's like Donna's expressed an interest in watching Brazil, so now it's kind of like I've got to wait until she's in the mood to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 happens sometimes with with Donna. She'll say she's up for watching something, and then it will be months until we actually watch it. It's it's just it's just how it is. But uh, um, right, should we should we do this? Yes. All right. Cool. Okay, I'm just gonna sneeze.
0: Platoon Wall Street, born on the Fourth of July, JFK Oliver Stone's vision has changed the way we saw our past now he takes a look at where we are and where we're going and you will be shocked at what he sees nikki and mallory By thousands. I love you so much, baby. I love you. Watched by millions. We're fighting. Can't stop fighting. Nobody can. It's kind of the or something. Woody Harrelson,
1: Juliet Lewis, Robert Downey Jr. and Tommy Lee Jones. What do you have to say to your fans? You ain't seen
0: nothing yet natural-born killers. In the media circus of life, they were the main attraction.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's time for the latest part on our sleazy stone marathon. And this week we are taking a look at his uh most controversial film, I think it's fair to say, and his most infamous film, uh, but nearly twenty years removed from it now. So um it's Natural Born Killers from nineteen ninety-four. Um I'm sure everyone's seen it, but uh story by Quentin Tarantino, uh, even though he's basically detoned the thing. Um it sees uh Mickey and Mallory Knox, played by Winnie uh Winnie Harrison and Juliet Lewis, uh going on a murder spree and uh getting caught and um, things go on from there the first half is basically the origins of them getting together and their spree the second half is basically them in prison and an incident which occurs and um yeah so i mean i i'd seen it before i i know you've seen it seen it before mark but um it's been a while since i've seen it and um i think my opinion on it has ever so slightly changed but i'm intrigued what on this go around uh what do you think of natural born killers
0: um I I absolutely adore natural born killers. Um uh, I wasn't I wasn't a massive fan of it when I first watched it. I remember getting this um um when it first sort of arrived in ninety four, I got an under the counter um copy in ninety five nice. um from uh, a gentleman at a video store called Take One Videos. Um and he said, "Oh, you need to watch this. It's it's the new it's the new, and he built it. He said, it's the new Tarantino movie." And he gave me it. What is it? He said, it's Natural Killers. Like, oh, that's the Oliver Stone movie. Yeah, but Tarantino wrote it at the time. That was because we don't have all the the information now. At the time, you know, this was written by the same guy who wrote Pulp Fiction. You know, at the time, he didn't know that it was the, he wrote the story, and then the actual film was completely different to the original idea that he wrote. Um so, you know, I was really looking forward to it and it it, it I was only sort of like twelve, thirteen and it, it it didn't quite it was it was a strange film to watch at that age and I enjoyed it. Um but it's one of those films that grows every time I watch it now. Um because it's it, it's from a directorial and we are looking at these films from a directorial measurement from sure. Stone. Um, as a directorial piece, it is an astonishingly accomplished piece of work. The fact that he has, you know, melded all these uh, these hedonistic ideas and the acid trip um, kind of, um, you know, it, it does bear resemblances to sort of seizure, you know, not in terms of style or anything like that, but in terms of the the kind of outer bodiness of it all, um, and the fact yeah. that it jumps round from, you know, you've got the the stationary car which is so pointatively um look, this is a car that is stationary and everything's moving round it. You know, they, they make a point of making that obvious.
1: The obvious projection, which in fairness is is something that Tarantino also does like to do. Um, yeah, you, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying there's a proper link between them or anything, but it, that that's interesting that that is such a stylistic point. Yeah, you
0: know? and there's also as well the the melding of um, putting um, some sort of comic book elements into it and animation elements into it um, with the the hyper stylized. Um, Mickey running with the, you know, the bulging, massive shoulders, and him running yeah. into, you know, to, to save the day almost, um, and the the whole, you know, soap scene, you know, um, kind of out, oh I love Mal- oh I love Mal- yeah, comedy uh, aspects of it, and the fact that Ronnie Dangerfield is saying all these disgraceful things, and you know, everyone's kind of laughing at it, and it's the whole. It is very much um, a very crude and a very obvious um, attack on the media by Oliver Stone um, and, you know, you, you think to an extent Tarantino as well, you know, although he very much does say, look, Natural Born Killers isn't my film, it's Oliver Stone's yeah. movie. It's not, I wrote an idea and they made their movie. Whereas with True Romance and Dustal Dawn, he's very much, you know, they're, you know, they're my stories that somebody else has, has put on the screen. Whereas, you know, so he still counts them as being his movies. You know, hence True Romance is in his box set. Um, he wanted to have Dust or Dawn in the box set as well, but because of rights issues, he, he couldn't have it in that that box set. But Natural Born Killers, um, people have asked him, said, oh, why wasn't that in the box set? And he said, because it's not my movie, it's the Stone's movie. You uh, know, it's nothing to do with me that movie.
1: And I mean, it, it, like in terms of like the the screenplay and whatnot, don't I mean, like there's there's nothing Tarantino in there at all. Like it, it's the, the the Mickey and Mallory. Like I I don't think they're kind of as iconic characters. I don't really think that, that that was the point either. Really, like they are, like in terms of the media's gaze on them, they are entirely defined by their murders, they, their actions their... rather than
0: themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I and mean, I mean, like with the Robert Downey Jr. interview scene at the end, it's like Downey Jr. is like pretending to be interested in most of the stuff that Mickey's going on about. But then when he when he says, you know, well, I, I guess I'm just a natural born killer, and then it cuts to break. That's the thing that Downey Jr. jizzes over. Yeah, because it's the sound bite.
0: Yeah, it's very much that. It's it's a it's a very Layered movie. There is there's a lot to it. There's a lot of density to it, and it's it's definitely a film where it, you you couldn't really make a judgment on it based on one viewing. You could say we view it once well and say I don't like it, don't like what you trying to say, I don't like the way it's structured. And if you don't, that's fine. You know, I think you could quite easily say why people that. But if you watch it and you go it was interesting I like this bit of it I like this bit of it but I'm, I'm not sure about this bit it's like right you, well then you need to go back and watch it again and again uh, if you do like it or you find some interesting it you, you do pick up more on each watch certainly um and what what's your you say your opinion changed on it um on on this viewing what was what was your post opinion uh, and what's your opinion now well
1: i mean i I, I just I'd only seen it once all the way through before, and it was probably ten years ago, if not more. And I, I remember being just like, oh, "It was alright, you know." It's, it, I, I, it, it kind of, like you actually, when you said the first time you saw it, it was kind of like, I "Don't quite see what the fuss is about." And I mean, it's. I I I've been thinking about it over the day and like I, I think my my reaction to it, like the uh, the just how ADD mm. the editing is bothered me. But I think that's entirely intentional. Oh, yeah. I think it is yeah, it's it's totally supposed to give you a headache and it is Like I mean, like the the end credits even continue it, you know. It's that is the way, and it's very, very much a product of its time as well. Like the the idea of um, uh, American maniacs, it's I don't think it's something that would they'd really get away with these days. But even like the as silly as it sounds, the quality of the image, like the obviously like broadcast American TV quality of that footage it, it, it just it so puts it in mid-90s
0: oh but yeah. it, it, it's an incredibly mid-90s movie it's like you say it, it, it very much is a product of its time um, this was a you know this was a big talking point of um, you know how influ- how much the you know violent films influence um, you know people doing you know, crimes and stuff and violent crimes was a thing that started in the you know 80s was the idea that it could and then in the 90s it was very much right it is it is doing this it's causing people to commit these violent crimes because they're watching movies like natural born killers and child's play three and stuff like that and you know and around the same time um ben elton wrote a book uh, and a uh stage play called popcorn which was very similar um Two natural born killers and portrayed the same themes. You know, that played very well in the UK and very well in America. Um, but there's no way they could play that now. It, it's not something that's going to end up again. It had a two, three year run around the same time as Natural Born Killers was out. Um, and it, it, like you say, it, it, it's a mid 90s um, issue and it's a mid 90s movie.
1: I mean, it, and it, it's kind of crazy just how um, like kind of not shocking it is now. Yeah, you know, it, it like, uh, uh, the, like isn't it like the the non-directors cut didn't even have that shot of uh, Tommy Lee Jones's head on a stick.
0: No, it doesn't. Yeah, not that the director's cut doesn't have that. No, the, 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 the non the original, original. Yeah, the director's, That's just in the director's cut. Yeah.
1: Like that, that that, kind of blows my mind a little bit, that like even that was deemed as, like, compared to like, what what we see today, and I, I suppose it's a fairly obvious talking point, but it's kind of, like, this and Reservoir Dogs, I, it, it blows my mind that they were as controversial as they were.
0: I mean, dogs, the thing that blows my mind with, with dogs is the, the fact that the big issue people had with it was the ear-cutting off scene.
1: And you don't even you see You
0: don't it. see it. But the amount of people that you talk to, it, 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 it's the... It is the the whole. I, I spoke to people who about Reservoir Dogs and they go, "Oh man, that heist scene's amazing!" Like, you don't see it. I'm like,
1: "Oh, but, like, what are they talking about? Like the one shot of them running away yeah. from the and co- I, like the cops yeah, or and something?" Like, On you know?
0: oh, the earcut off scenes, brutal. Like, you don't see it. it it's yeah. it's the you know it's the trick of the film. It's the it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's all implied. You don't see it. With this, everything that's there, you you do see. You see,
1: and I mean, like oftentimes it's kind of like first person. I mean, you have got that bit, um, a bit at the start where um the axe is flying, and it's yeah. kind of like you you're with the axe, the camera's fixed on it as it like breaks through the glass and whatnot, and. Um, you know, like Mallory's kind of picking who she's going to shoot and you actually see it down
0: the barrel of the gun. You know,
1: it, it, it's, I, 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 I can see that kind of identification thing being, being, a, being an issue, but it's...
0: I think also, as well, the fact that the movie so much is telling you, look how violent these people are, look at this violence, look at their attitude towards violence, look how easy they take to it, look at the reverence, look at these people reacting to the violence and how much they're enjoying it. And all this, like, it, it it's almost telling you, telling people, this is violent, it's horrible it's bad, it's bad, and it's gone oh, this is terrible, this is violent, it's terrible it's bad, we actually break it down, the most kind of questionable bits in it are the Rodney Dangerfield um, bits in it which mm. are you know supposed to be, but are super creepy
1: I mean like the, 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 the reveal that um, uh... Juliette uh uh Mallory is actually the mother of her brother, mm. and then just the way it's like the laugh it's just like, oh, I shouldn't have said that yeah it it, it yeah it's disgusting uh, but i mean like by by the end of the film i mean that there, there is a question of what are we actually supposed to take away from it i suppose like are uh, it, it 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 what is it is it just a damning indictment of media? I suppose uh, uh, or I, I mean are we supposed to feel any sympathy like are we supposed to get on board with Mickey and Mallory because by by the end of the film it, it, it's just they haven't really got all that much character i don't
0: think no and they've not they've not become likable characters, you know um they've not become kind of great uh anti heroes um, they are you know. They're not, they're also not the great kind of, you know, you know, lovers against all kind of craziness of that. They're not even that. They're just, they're, they're linked by their willingness t- t- to kind of, uh, indulge in their lifestyle more than anything else. Um, there's not a single likeable character in the film, I don't think. Um, with the exception, possibly, of the um, Navajos, and that's it. You know, you've got Robert Downey Jr. is a twat in it. Yeah. You know, Scagnetti is as, you know, as bad as uh, Mickey and Mallory. You know, Tommy Lee Jones is, you know, he's Warden uh, McCluskey is as insane as everybody else who's there. Uh, he just happens to be on the right side of it. Yeah, yeah, so um, it's. It's. It's definitely. Um, it's definitely a film with a lot of a, a lot of talking points, but it's a film that kind of. It's still entertaining. It's still got a lot to say, but it's kind of like what it's had. What it's had to say, has kind of all been said.
1: That's that's the thing. I yeah. I mean, I back back when it was made, I, I imagine those points being incendiary. But now it is it is a little bit like well, yes, we we we, we do know that. And what is there left? I mean, all, it's almost like Ouch. Mickey and Mallory. The fact they have no character, like they are completely like defined by the fact that they kill people and the fact that the media are like like build them up based on this alone. It almost feels like it's kind of like a self-reflexive thing in the screenplay where they're not giving that to you Mm. because it's almost like saying, oh, you don't want that. You don't want the character. You want the violence. And, you know, it doesn't shy away from the violence. It's not funny games where like it. It it, it it says no, we're not going to look at this, and it, it 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 takes the camera away or something like that. You know, it, it doesn't. It's not saying oh why are you why are you watching this like Kaneko does with that film. It's it's giving that to you, but at the sacrifice of character. But then that does feel like the point. Mm-hmm. It, it, it
0: is it is almost whereas Funny Games is saying, you know, like us say if the thing of Games is say, why are you watching this? Why do you want to watch this? Natural one Killers is saying look how much you're enjoying this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's not criticizing you for it. It's just saying, look, let's be honest. Violence is fun Um, when it's on screen, you know. But it doesn't mean to say that that you know violence is a good thing. But look, look how the media and also it's an indictment of how um, you know um, Charles Manson has become like a cult figure uh, and. So you know, um, Ed Gein has, and you know, all these people that have become kind of cult figures in America. It's like no, they're they're serial killers, they're mass yeah. murderers. They're not yeah. people to be revered. They're not they're not prisoners um, because of some political reasons or anything like that. Yeah, they're
1: not they're not conscientious objects. You know,
0: they're you know, Charles Manson. You know, he shouldn't be released. He's not being kept. You know, because, of a, you know, a government conspiracy, he's been kept because he's a bastard. You know, why are you celebrating these people? And that's what it is, you know, um, with Natural Born Killers. They're, they're celebrating, they're creating the, you know, the celebrityism of them. Um, yeah. And it, it's saying, you know, look at, you know, look, this, is what, this is what happened. And it, it, it is true, you know, they almost become legends. And you know, martyrs in in, in a way, um, and essentially they're killing without will and without reason. You know, they're killing for the most simplistic of things.
1: Well, that yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, I mean, I, I suppose that's not better illustrated by the whole kind of like, well, you always leave one person to tell the tale. But then, like, it, I mean, like the only real, I suppose, the only real advancement on that is at the end where it's just like, well, you know, we have got the camera. Yeah. You know, so it's like any kind of sense of actually leaving anyone, al- uh, even leaving anyone alive is now completely gone, because they could just <clears> film it all anyway. I mean, it, I mean, fuck me. It would be very interesting if Oliver Stone ever decided to take another look at these characters, like, 20 years on.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it would too, actually, yeah. It'd be quite interesting to see Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis take a look at these characters 20 years on. Because, I mean, they're, again, they're, you know, this was probably... Um, Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis at the peak of their powers, I'd say. Um, You know, Woody Harrelson was, you know, he's still a big star now, but he's a different type of big star. He's he's very much now a character actor who turns up in stuff rather than leading a movie. He's not a leading man anymore. Um, And Juliette Lewis, she never got over, I don't think, playing... um, Mallory Knox I think she she went too fucking far down the rabbit hole and never quite came out and she got too embroiled in being crazy Juliet Lewis and he's still crazy Juliet Lewis but that's her now you know and far too much speed and cocaine has kind of have ruined you know her, her acting career and you know she's had the, the you know Juliet Lewis and the Licks the terrible band she's had um but you know, when you look at her, her career, she had it. She had it, you know, from the early nineties, leading up to sort of. You probably go as far as sort of saying maybe, dust till dawn. You know, she was in a lot of very interesting films, and then, really, has just kind of cropped up as, you know, in comedy films. You know, for like two or three minutes. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's more or less been, you know, with and, and Juliet Lewis and she could have gone on to have done so much more.
1: Well quite, you know, I mean I'm just having a look at what she does now. I mean she's in some T V show now, the the firm. Um I mean wow okay she was in due date? Oh yeah, she was in conviction. Ah yeah. oh, she was in Whippet. She was actually pretty good in Whippet.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, when you look at it, she made, you know, when you go from, let's say from 91, Cape Fear, Cape Fear, uh, Husband and Wife. Which she was
1: nominated for an Oscar for.
0: Yeah, she was. You know what's, Mental, what's eating, I never knew that. Yeah, but. What's Eating Gilbert Grape, uh, Romeo is Bleeding, California, Natural Born Killers, Strange Days, Basketball Diaries, From Dust Till Dawn, all that in like a five-year period. You know they're they're good movies, you know. Um, and then you know, then she went. She, she, she kind of I don't think she ever kind of pulled out of playing all of these slightly off kilter characters.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I mean that, that that's the thing. It 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 her. Yeah. Forever.
0: Certainly. Um. And you know, Bob Downey Jr. is very good in this. Tom Sizemore, I think, is superb. And Tommy Lee Jones just appears to be having the most fun that Tommy Lee Jones has ever had. That's the thing, yeah. He really looks like he's having fun. Yeah, and Tommy Lee Jones looks like he can't have fun ever. Yeah, yeah. That's that's
1: yeah, it that's exactly it. But it looks like he really gets his teeth into it. It just Yeah, I mean and even the like the, the little supporting roles, everybody works. I love that clerk in the drugstore who's just like fucking shit scared when he realises it's
0: Mickey. Yeah, and he's just trying to he's like, he's like asking him for the, uh, the, the how he describes it as snake bite juice. Uh, yeah. And he's just kind of randomly just sort of picking up like things. And then when he says, "Can you get me the fucking snake bite juice? And he just keeps showing him stuff. <laughs> he's like no, I, oh fuck it. And they say, oh, you, you always leave one person to tell a story. He's like, yeah, if I don't kill you, what story is there to tell? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's kind of like they haven't come up with the idea of um, you know we always leave one person to tell the story. It's the media that came up with that, and they don't really they don't really fall into it. They don't really believe in it as such.
1: Yeah, no, I, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it's I I I do like that aspect, the fact that they they never. They never really get into their own hype. I suppose that's that one moment where it's like flashing back to their court appearance and Juliette Lewis to say, like this is the most fun I've ever had," you know, which which is just funny. But um, I don't know. Are we done?
0: I would say we're done. What what I'll say is as well, uh, the soundtrack is incredible.
1: Sure. Yeah. Talking.
0: Uh, Trent like, I don't know. together as well.
1: Oh, did he really? Yeah,
0: Trent Reznor. Um, Trent Reznor uh, basically produced the. Um, the soundtrack to it um, and kind of came up with all the ideas of the songs and he did that by literally just sitting down and watching the film over and over and over again and just watching it and going, right, this song and this song, this song would work here, this song would work here. And then basically sort of put it together, edit it together, so like this song would come in here and put it together and then sort of screened it for Stone and said, right, this is it, this is how I want it to go. And instead of having like, You know, an entire song playing, like a bit of a song, a bit of a song, and a cut, and almost made an made a a score out of a soundtrack, and that's what it feels like, Um, and it feels very MTV in that way, uh, and that's what Trent Reznor did for that. And
1: uh, yeah, I mean, like, because that's that's interesting. I I particularly the the moment where like you got the two Rage Against the Machine tracks Mm. like in one scene. But I mean, with take the power back, it's literally just like the opening, and then like uh, bring that shit in, and, and then it like it kicks, and it, that, that's all there is. It, it's yeah, it is, it is a fantastic score, and a bit of the specials as well.
0: It's, yeah, and that that kind of just those kind of like little drops of dropping yeah. that in just for that one little bit, um, yeah. and there's this... you know this sorry bits of the the overriding the Leonard Cohen cropping up all the time throughout it. Um,
1: Oh sure it, it, yeah, it is yeah, yeah. very
0: good and it just it all kind of works very well together.
1: Absolutely. It's yeah, I, it, it, it's a pretty fucking wonderfully crafted um uh, effort it, overall. A, it, 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 is, it must be It's so. a
0: fantastic time capsule of the mid 90s. Um uh, of like the way that the mid 90s did become because of the Tarantino generation kind of thing. Um and because the um, the American indie films went back to what it was in the early seventies, um, before the studios took it took on people like Scorsese and, and Coppola and Lucas and people like that um, and De Palma, um, you kind of had that a, a little bit of a repeat of that in the the early nineties where Tarantino became a celebrity, um, and you had the celebrity kind of directors and you had Paul Thomas Anderson and all this this, this new wave of American indie film directors. And then Natural Born Killers you know, kind of fell into that, despite the fact that it was made by this Oscar-winning director. Uh, it, it fell into the whole controversial side of that, the fact that movies have become a lot more violent and a lot more sexualised again. Um, but they hadn't become a lot more violent a lot more sexualised. It's just that they were a lot more unapologetic about it. Sure. No, absolutely. So I, I, I'd say Natural Born Killers is definitely not shit.
1: Uh, Yes, I definitely, definitely say it's definitely not shit, too.
0: Right, cool. Uh...
1: Sorry, and I'm sorry, again, I'm getting a bit distracted. I I very, very much love the Spring Breakers Twitter. And I'm just having a conversation with the the person who runs their Twitter account. The best at name I've seen for any marketing campaign ever.
0: Have you seen? I've not. I've not seen any of their Twitter things. I'm gonna have to look.
1: At, at, look at all my shit.
0: <laughs> oh wait, nothing. I, I have actually.
1: Like when the when the budget announcement came out on Wednesday, they, it was they they tweeted say, celebrating George Osborne for the penny off a pint of beer, and then just did a picture of the girls in their bikinis saying thank you, George Osborne. <laughs> It's just, it's, it's wonderfully subversive stuff, and it's just, it's so much effort. I I, I I really, really like it. Anyway, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely not shit. Sorry, I just, I, I, I really, really like it. Uh, fuck it. if Spring Breakers, if I don't like Spring Breakers, I'm going to fucking cry at this point. I'm so fucking excited. I, 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 I would
0: admit, I'm, I'm very excited for that film. I have very low expectations for it, but I expect to have a lot of fun with it.
1: I just I hear it's incredibly entertaining trash. That's what I. But it, that, but it, it it's like some sort of like uh, fever dream throughout the entire thing. Yeah.
0: It, it, it Do you know what? It looks like, Harmony Corrine is trying to make a hedonistic Oliver Stone movie about Spring Break. It, Brilliant. And that links in quite well. What, what is it? But I I do think that that looks like one of. Oliver Stone's sleazy movies. Spring Breaker yeah. does look like it could have those kind of edges towards it.
1: Absolutely, and it comes out in UK cinemas in two weeks' time, and I know for a fact we're going to be fucking oh, reviewing yeah, it. Oh, without that
0: question, yes.
1: So, um, that'll be it for uh, the definitely not shit, not your born killers, and next week we'll be getting into um, one of his uh, trashy zo- sojourns. Um, it's going to be you Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. I'm pretty fucking excited for that as well, I must say. Yeah. Uh, so um, that leaves questions for this week. Um, Mark, do you want me to do the really long one first? Yeah. Okay, so this is at LeFurious. Whose, opinion fil- whose opinions on film do you value and why? Just wondering, as I recently read Faber's Schrader on Schrader, and as a critic turned filmmaker, like much of the French New Wave might I add, I just wondered how nowadays with a world inundated with opinions at our fingertips, do experts in the field, i.e. academic specialists and what have you, uh, is their value, opinion as valid as the fan, blog, blogger, podcaster, etc.? If someone is earning a crust from criticism, is it because their opinion is more valid and respected, or are we existing in a utopia of opinions slash critique? Um, my My answer is I will listen to anyone as long as they have as long as they put their arguments across well be they paid or not if if they're prepared to have a discussion and have their opinions challenged and they don't mind it and they'll discuss it then uh, i say good on them and as long as they express it well then i say good on them
0: yeah i mean i'd, I'd agree there. I, I i don't think that um um Movie critics should automatically be given a pass simply because they are they get paid to do it. I do think a lot of movie critics um, think that. Uh, I do think. A l-
1: I'll, I'll say right now, Philip French from the Observer. He's incredibly well respected. I think he's one of the laziest critics. I would
0: absolutely one hundred percent agree. Um, I think there are. It, it, there are some very good film journalists out there. Um, and there are some very obnoxious film journalists out there who see um, their opinions as them telling you that a film's bad. Not that they're, they're telling you that their opinion of a film is bad. That if they say a film is bad, it is bad.
1: Even though I like, I will say, and I've been blaming Mark Como quite a lot recently, but like all things aside, he's been helping me and... Friends of mine out, uh, out recently, um but he like his thing of my opinion is the right one because it's what I think. Like I, I in a way I kind of respect that. It's just like if you are gonna voice your opinions and b- just be like, I, I mean, the thing is, he's uh, like he seems more than willing to change his mind. He has done an about face on AI recently, and it, it's like I just I appreciate the idea of this is my opinion here it is like i i got into a bit of a twitter argument with uh, with mike and Hannah uh, a few weeks back about me saying if you like something you're a fucking idiot oh um 48 frames per second oh yeah i i i i, I was I, I was having an, and and saying and i i basically said well i think my opinion's right because i think my opinion's right and like and and mike was just like did you really just say that it was like in a way yes because we'd had a discussion and you know i i took points on board and like the way i phrased it was just like i i basically did say look if if I I think it was because I was saying that uh, people who like 48 frames per second is because they're not educated in in the ways that these things work or something. I didn't mean to come out with with, with that exactly. I wasn't saying, look, I know more about this shit, so your opinion is invalid. Mm. It, It was just, I think it looks like shit. Personally, if you like it, I don't have any concept of... I don't have a frame of reference for how you like that, so... I think you're an idiot or something like that. That's kind of how it is. It's like, say, Dracula, like genuinely, if you like Dar- if Dracula by Dario Argento, I think you're an idiot. Why? Because in my frame of reference, I I have no way of connecting enjoyable with Dracula by Dario uh, Argento at all. Mm. And like, I, I'll, I'll have a discussion about it. And, you know, if somehow you can make me see that, then good on you. But at this moment in time, I would say, yes, I think you're an idiot if you like it.
0: My my biggest kind of um, gripe, I would say, is intentional.
1: Oh, and, and sorry, and by the way, uh, I, I don't think Hannah's an idiot at all. And I hope she knows that. And I, I hope my apologies. I think I apologize. And if I didn't, I formally do so here. If If I came out sounding like that, you know, shit, I didn't quite mean to say that. <laughs> But anyway, sorry, I go
0: think on. She, she knows that you don't think she's an idiot, and I think if she didn't think that, Good. she'd punch you in the face. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, one thing, there's a couple of things that really uh, um, gripe me or will turn me off and, and make me not respect somebody else's opinions, because I'll respect anyone's opinion on 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 films. Um, I prefer talking to people just because I, I'm a bit of a, a film snob, and it's such a big part of my life. um it's difficult to talk um, sometimes to people who just watch films on an occasional basis because you don't want to come across as uh, being based as as base. I can as being a cunt, um, mm-hmm. but you will come across as being a cunt because they'll say to you something like, Oh, did you see? And they'll, I'm just going to pick this out just because I know it, it, it's something that somebody said to me recently. Um, mm-hmm they'd mentioned that they'd seen um, That's My Boy, the Adam Sandler movie. And it was, you know, it was, uh, Jack and Jill, and how funny it was. Um, and all I could say was, seriously, you thought it was funny? And I said, oh, yeah, did you not? I said, no, I, I think you'd have to be retarded to find it funny. Um, sure. it's, it, it's not funny. Not not it's, I, I didn't find it funny. It, it is not funny. Uh, and I, I find you can become like that sometimes. Um and you become quite staunch and opinionated on it um, just because it, it, it's so important to me. It's not as important... Film isn't as important to that person who was arguing with me. Um, and that's not a problem. That's the,
1: that, yeah, that's the thing. I have to tone that down in other social situations. Exactly I, it, it, yeah. I, I have
0: to turn it down. So so what I, I tend to do now is I avoid talking about film with people. If people want to ask my opinion on it, who like, if I ever go out with Becky's work friends and they say... Or did you see this film? You like your films, don't you? What do you think about Blah? I'll give my opinion on it, but I've decided, I'm just going to be blatantly honest. If someone says, oh, you know, this is a good film, I like this film, I'll say, well, I, I didn't like it because of this and this and this. Um, but I'll be quite nice about it. But if I've had a couple of drinks, I'll go, no, it's a piece of shit because of this, this and this. But at the same time, I'll go, but I fucking love this and I love this and I love this. And, you know, I I like that, I don't enjoy being an arsehole uh, all of the time. Uh, but I don't... I mean, that's
1: the thing. I, I had a discussion a couple of months back in my old workplace. I had a discussion with someone because she was saying, like, oh, I watched that Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene because it was on Sky. I was like, oh, yeah, what do you think? She was like, oh, I, I couldn't get on with it at all. You know, and it was just, oh, fucking really? You know, and, and, and but then she started talking about the ending. I had a, a bit of a frame of reference there. I was like, well, Donna was exactly the same, you know, so I was able to kind of turn it around. But it's just like it—it it, it is a little bit of I don't want to sound like pretentious or anything like that. But it, it does sound alarm bells to me when when people start talking about films, because it's. Yeah, and it's only because I want to get deeper into yeah, them than other people are willing to go, uh, go to. Like uh, that, That's all it yeah, is. It's,
0: it's, it's, I take it a lot more seriously than that person. That doesn't make me a better person or anything like that. It, it, exactly, it's exactly, just I exactly. take it a lot more. So I tend to try and avoid those conversations just because I yes. don't want to, partially because I don't want to offend that person by telling them they're yes. stupid or making them feel yeah. stupid. Um, but I don't like in in film things. I don't like when I'm reading a piece. I don't like somebody who will be talking about um, all the good points about a film and then at the end of it say they don't like it. And it's like, hang on a minute. You're just you're, you're simply not liking that film or you're liking that film just to be contrary. That pisses me off no end. Um, and you can spot it coming a mile off with some people. I also don't like... Um, if I, if somebody puts out on Twitter that they really like to film, they really fucking love a film, right, and I don't like that film, then I won't, I won't comment. If someone puts out yeah. a film, I really like that film, I really like that film, fuck it, I'll go, damn right, this is fucking great because of this. But if somebody put out and said, oh, blah, he's, I just watched blah, and it's amazing, and I think, God, it's shite. I'm not going to But people do, and I always think, do you know what? If you don't like a film, don't waste your time on it. Don't if somebody likes a film and really likes a film, don't jump in and tell them how shit it is. That's just fucking mean. And people who don't like a film and constantly are telling people how much they don't like a film just whenever they can. That gets boring very easy. And that makes me stop, think makes me think, do you know what? I'm not going to read that person's views on films because. I'm bored at the amount of times they've told me they didn't like x film. You know that that drum has been beaten too fucking much. Just give it up. That pisses me off. Uh, that,
1: yeah, I mean, there, there's 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 a particular person on Twitter. I'm I'm not going to name because I I like the guy personally. Um, uh, he, he he's he's very kind and he's he's a he's a good guy, but there was a phase that he went through where pretty much every single film I talked about, he'd tweet back saying oh, why, the fuck, why did you just do that to yourself, or something like that you know, I, I'm wondering if you know who I'm talking uh, about I think um, I do. yeah um, uh, yeah, 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 and it, it, it is it is like if I didn't, I've got to say, if I didn't know that person, I'd follow him he, he seems to have gotten better of late but it's 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 a tightrope man it's it, it's a tightrope but um fuck me we've actually got really into that one
0: yeah it was, it was a damn good question um do you want to do the next twitter question because i've got a facebook question oh
1: okay um yeah, at, at Team Sizu, this is actually the last Twitter question I've got on my feed. Anyway, uh, at Team Sizu, have you seen Silo? Uh, uh, Twenty days. Got Silo, sorry. Uh, if so, any good? And what's the hardest film you've sat through? Um, I, I, I've seen it. You? Yes,
0: I've seen it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's um, not anything I'd ever watch again, to be honest. For like entertainment value, it's. Uh, It's quite intense. Um, It's like Pasolini certainly got his point across with it. Um, uh, Manja Manja is pretty special. Um, Mm. uh, Hardest thing I've ever sat through. I don't know. What
0: do do you think of? um, Um, It's. I I would. I would never ever recommend it to um, anyone. Ever, Uh, but if if somebody. who is a genuine film fan um, and has an interest in, in film as a medium, comes to me and says, um, you know, what do you think of Salah? I'd, my response would always be, well, watch it. But I would never say, I don't say, watch it. Don't buy it, though. Because you're not going to watch it again or you're unlikely to watch it again. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting piece of cinema history more than it is an interesting film um, and it's it's less it's more disgusting than it is shocking um, and it's there's more in its undertones than its overtures It's a good way of saying it um, um, hardest thing I've my, sat through I'd go and answer for that yeah, now
1: um, the turtle scene in Cannibal Holocaust, oh, yeah. sort of tortoise scene. That, that. Um, it's uh that that thing's revolting. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I was genuinely offended by it. Um, like, yeah, yeah, I that's it, that it, it's not on. Uh, it it just isn't, yeah. and I, I know they say that they like. The, the natives would have done it, and like uh, the people ate it as food anyway. But it, it's still like that thing's like a hundred years
0: old, and you're just just yeah. It, 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 I the reason why I don't own that movie and why I, why because uh, my wife said you know I, should I watch it and I always said no you shouldn't. The reason why I won't watch it is because of that scene, and I'm going to be incredibly hypocritical in a moment as well um, about that. But I, 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 for me, that's too far.
1: It is that that that's that's the thing that that is too far. Um, I mean, in in terms of like kind of a thematic intensity, I suppose. Um, uh, one film I know I'll never watch again is a recent film, uh, Thomas Vinterberg's *The Hunt*. Um, have you I've seen, seen this? it?
0: Really want to see it though because I, I adore Mads Mikkelsen. It's
1: um, it, 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 I mean, it's a it's a great film. It's a five out of five film. But I know I'll never watch it Comes again out because on the Blu-ray whole
0: tomorrow, I think
1: yeah yeah okay. i think i thought it was soon um it's i know it's um it, i think it's kind of hitting on demand services tomorrow as well actually uh-huh. um it's it just it's really really upsetting for most of the run time um and like e- even the ending like the, the 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 last like minute or so I, it, it like completely is with that as well it's just it's um it's it, i i was squirming in my seat throughout the whole thing and i kind of like i wanted to walk out but the strength of the actual film itself uh meant that i didn't i mean it's it's a very 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 good film but it made me angry and it made me really really sad it's quite something
0: uh mine would be um martyrs stuck with me for a long time uh no. that's a fucking that's a tough watch uh but an exceptional movie um Every time I see Apocalypse Now on the big screen, the um, the hacking of the cow gets to me. Um, sure. And Apocalypse Now is, I think, it is the greatest movie of all time. Um, and and I know that's been like I said from going from what I said about kind of August. It's incredibly um, hypocritical. Um, but that was a ceremony that was going on.
1: Yeah, they actually. Yeah, yeah. That's, they, they, they actually
0: did filmed... just film the yeah, yes. ceremony and. Um, you know, Coppola was very, you know, he he was he did speak to the censors and kind of say to them, "Look, I'm gonna put this in the film. It is part of the ceremony. We've not had anything to do with it. We've not provided them anything, any money or anything. All we've done is film it, and I want it in to cut it into the film. Is that okay?" And they sort of said, "Actually, yes, it is, because it's a." You know, it's a form of religious ceremony, and I know that that is, you know, it's apples and oranges, and but I, I just don't think it has any of the cynicism or the meanness or the unnecessaryness of kind of a Holocaust. Um, that, and I saw Irreversible on the big screen, and that that eight minute block is starts True. to get a little bit like fucking hell. I mean, come yeah. on. It does yeah. get a little bit like that, but I would still say Apocalypse Now that more than anything else troubles me, Be- partially I think because of the fact of how high I hold that movie. Sure. Yeah, uh, we've got one an hour we've got another Twitter question uh, from uh, Chris uh, Byrne, uh, who's Cinematronics, um, who was actually invited us onto the Cinematronics uh, podcast at some point in the future. Oh yes. Um, saying. Um, What film that is generally regarded as bad do you really enjoy and stand by? Uh, I have an answer for this straight away um, that is fresh in my mind because I was talking to um, Dan and Rich Artie about it uh, earlier in the week and it's Weekend at Bernie's. I still maintain Weekend at Bernie's and the sequel Weekend at Bernie's 2 are brilliant comedic films um, and I will argue their relevance and their place as Possibly in my top ten comedy, the first one, in my top ten comedies of all time um, with anybody because I adore that movie. It is slapstick mixed with black humour, mixed with a weird crime story. Um, It is a brilliantly wonderful, fun movie.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I did a series of defending pieces for EC Blue film back in the day. It was a
0: wonderful series. I love that series. I've actually gone back and read read that a few times, actually.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Um, That's really nice of you to say. Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, there there were a few there, um, but, I mean, I think some of them, uh, people are kind of, um, uh, turning around on him, like, um, uh, uh um Speed Racer, um, which I, I did a piece on, but it it seems like people actually like that now. So I mean I, I'd say a uh, a big one for me would be Hannibal, um oh, which okay. is just uh it, it's just a goofy, goofy, crazy grand guignol what the fuck of a film, a which um, kind of indulges in its own ridiculousness.
0: Mm. I'd also add um Smoking Aces Don't See People's Problem with It. Brilliant film.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I, I, think I, I quite like it. it it's, right.
0: a, it's a fun film that is, again, kind of bombastic and ridiculous and out there. And then all of a sudden has, for the last five, ten minutes, it just has a twist where it just goes, where Joe Canaan has just kind of gone, look at this, look at all the ridiculousness, look, look at the craziness of this, look at the craziness of this. And then he just, once he's got you going, fucking hell, this is ridiculous. He just goes, and now. And then, he, then you get that twist at the end, and it's like, Holy fuck. And then yeah. Reynolds gets the opportunity to act. And I think Marilyn is a great comedic actor, and I think he's a great general actor and a brilliant movie star. I think he's the complete package. But that last, the last kind of the, the, the twist at the end, I think is brilliant, and he's, he's so underappreciated. Um, and I think when you watch the, uh, the alternative endings for it, it makes you appreciate that ending even more. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know what they are. If if, if you... Yeah, just... um, If you ever get a chance to watch them on the Blu-ray or the DVD, there's alternative endings. There's three or four different ways that he was going to end it. Um, And it, it, it puts a whole new spin on it. And it makes you appreciate it in a completely different way. Okay. But yeah, another... You know, we, we, we've we both spoken quite uh, seriously about our love for Joe Carnahan films.
1: Mm, absolutely, fucking right. Yeah,
0: and if you're going to fucking kickstarter something, right, and we're going to have a fucking <laughs> kickstarter, right, for fucking Veronica Mars, a shitty series that was cancelled because no fucker watched it, right, <laughs> and you're going to do that, right, why not at least have it for something that I would watch, like the A Team sequel, another A Team movie. Kickstart of that shit.
1: I I very much agree. <laughs>
0: I I'd happily I'd happily pump in fifty quid to get what is it a new or a hundred quid to get a new fucking Air Team. I don't care if I don't get any of that money back. I don't care if a studio executive gets a little bit richer off it. If I get to see a Team Two, I I'd be happy with that. Um but I don't want a glut now of TV shows that couldn't keep an audience get a fucking spin-off movie because it's the new thing to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I very, very much agree.
0: Right, and we also we also have a Facebook question. Um, What's my Facebook update? Um, right, it is from uh, Liam Crosby. Um, who you've met, and you don't know you've met him? Do you remember at Fright Fest um, the guy who checked your tickets as you went in, who had the exquisite moustache? <laughs> really? him? That's Liam. yeah, him. Yeah, that 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 is Liam. Um, the strange <laughs> thing is, I know Liam, I was, I've been talking to Liam online um, via Twitter um, and uh, Facebook. Um, because we we have a mutual friend. Um,
1: That's
0: fantastic. Um, and it wasn't until after Fright Fest, he said, "You were at Fright Fest, weren't you?" I was like, "Yeah." He went, "How can we did me meet up?" And I was like, "I don't know. You should have messaged me." with him. He Went, "Oh, did you ever get your ticket checked by the guy with the moustache? I was like, "Yeah." We you know we had a full blown conversation about him. But yeah, that was neat. Bloody um, hell. So his question um, is. Your thoughts on theatrical versions of films uh, and then extended cut, higher rated DVD, Blu-ray releases? Personally, I don't like and I think it's a cheap move by studios to make extra money by charging me twice to see the same film. I, he's more meaning, not really meaning directors' cuts. Uh, I think he's more meaning um,
1: section two being a 12A in the cinema and yeah. a 15. And, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, in a 15 on DVD. Yeah,
0: and stuff like. Um, the hangover part two and then you get the blu-ray or the dvd the hangover part two and it's an extended version um
1: it's it's a it's a a marketplace reality now um you know like with taken two doing so well on a 12a certificate and, uh, you know, like it happened with Good Day to Die Hard and it'll probably happen with, you know, with with other stuff, frankly. I mean, the, the Wolverine, I think, is going to be a big one for that as well. Like, I think they're going to cut that down for a 12 a and then have a 15 Blu-ray. It's yeah, just, the just money, t- been, money talks.
0: The first cut has been BBFC and put it as a 15, haven't
1: they? Oh, have they really?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I saw that somewhere that the first cut's been done as a 15. I could see that getting recut to a 12 a
1: that's it. It, it will. Yeah. It will get recut to a 12A, and then it'll be a 15 on Blu-ray. It's a market reality. I don't like it either. But unless, like, this happens and then it just doesn't make any difference in terms of box office projections whatsoever, we're not going to be able to do anything about it. It's it's one of those ones where I don't like it, but in, in the end of the day, I don't know if you want to be. I'm not endorsing this really. But, you know, alright, pay to see it in the cinema, then watch a torrent mm. of the unrated version. You know, it's, it's I'm like I say, I'm not endorsing it, but if you feel that strongly about that, that would be the way yeah, to go. Yeah, it's
0: one of those things where if Wolverine, if there's a 15 version of Wolverine and a, uh, and a 12A version, if I have to buy the the 15 version to see it at home, I, I, I'll happily do that. Um, and it, yeah, it's cynical and it is it's wrong, but if it's either that or not being able to see it, I'd always go for that.
1: That's, that. that yeah, that's, that, that's exactly it. I, um, you know, in, in the end of the day, if I like the 12A cut, the Wolverine, there's a big chance I'll buy the 15 rated cut on, on Blu-ray anyway. Yeah. And if I don't like the 12A cut, then, you know, I'll, I don't think the 15 cuts going to make that much yeah, difference.
0: But something like Bridesmaids, an extended cut of Bridesmaids, isn't going to make me go, ooh, I wonder if that will cover all the massive fucking plot holes that I saw in that film. Isn't going to make right. me do that.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Right. I think that's says done.
1: Sweet. Okay, so um, thanks for your questions and comments and whatnot, folks. Thank you very much. Always appreciated. Uh, we will be back next week uh, where we'll either be reviewing G.I. Joe or Trance. We'll just uh, make our minds up about that over the week, I think. Yep. And uh, we'll also be on to uh, the next part of Sleazy Stone as we take on U-Turn. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: iTunes reviews?
1: Uh, yes, iTunes reviews. Uh, very, 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 very welcome. Uh, always, Always lovely to have. Um, at dudefors at Ian Loring at dudeandamonkey dudeandamonkey at gmail dot com. Anything else, Mark?
0: No, I think that's 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 pretty much it. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, as usual.
1: Cheers, guys, and have a good week. We will speak to you soon. Bye bye.